Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, and uh, both Stephanie Burke and science advisor, Matt Moniz, are out of the studio tonight, so we've brought in our guest host, our guest fill-in host, the guy who always helps us out when we're short-handed, and uh, always helps us out when we need to reach something off the top shelf, true. John Brightman. Uh, this is very true. You uh, you certainly are you, you certainly come in handy on investigations when we're like, John, can you reach up there and see what's up? Can, 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 can you, you put, turn the fan off? Can you put this REM pod up there? <laughs> it's mo- it's it's motion detected, so I need to put it up high where nobody else will set it off. Yep. So uh, we thank you for for joining us tonight. How you been? Good, good. Um, just been uh, busy. How was your Thanksgiving? Uh, it was pretty good. It was um, quiet, which is the way that we like it. How was yours? It was good. Uh, quick, went over grandparents, visited with them, and uh, then went home to watch football. For the first time ever, I didn't have to actually go out and cover a football game on Thanksgiving. Really? Yeah, for 17 straight years, uh, I had to cover a football game. Actually, this was the 17th year. So for 16 straight years, I had to cover a football game, a high school game, on Thanksgiving morning. This year, I did not have to. Because of the cold, they moved it to the night before. Really? Just because yeah. of the cold? A lot of the games around here, they moved it to the night before or, or the Friday. afternoon before or some were moved to Friday because the idea was that uh, it was going to be record low temperatures here mm-hmm. on Thanksgiving so they thought you know people weren't going to show up like they tried to make it seem like oh we're trying, we're looking out for the kids and but in actuality it's because they were worried about the gate yeah you know people aren't going to go out when it's 8 degrees out with a negative wind chill so they were worried about that and at least the game that I covered didn't make a difference because there was only maybe 100 people there on both both sidelines combined. So. Really? Yeah. But it was nice to be able to wake up on Thanksgiving and not have to, you know, bundle up in four layers and rush out to the football game and then rush back and try and write the story as fast as I can so I can <laughs> get back, you know, I can get somewhere before there's uh, no food left. But, uh, and then, uh, so if I was thankful for anything, it was not having to go cover that game. And it was cold. It was. So I even just running out to the car to, you know, leave. It was uh, it was definitely freezing. So, but it's not so cold tonight. It's nice and warm here in the spooky studio, and we'll be taking your calls tonight as we're going to do unscreened paranormal open lines. That other could, that could be dangerous. Other radio shows tell you that they're unscreened. Ours are totally unscreened. Now we do have a program that allows us to see the numbers that are calling in, but the reason why I say that they're unscreened is because I I don't even look at it. <laughs> like I I never thing to pull up the program to look at it so eh, you know it's it's unscreened in that regard but uh, the good thing is if you do call in and you act like a jerk we'll still have your number so then we can call you back and make your life a living hell so <laughs> i won't see the number call in but uh i'll just see these lights light up on it's, it's one of these days i'm going to have matt put the camera over on this side, so people can see exactly what I'm dealing with. I don't usually have him do that, though, because 
Otherwise, people will see, like, I'm getting messages throughout the show, and we're messaging each other. And I know that from when you're watching from the perspective of the viewer, you think to yourself, well, they're not really paying attention to what's going on, but there's so many things that have to get done during the course of the show. We are paying attention. We just have to do 45 different things at the same time. So it might be that we're answering a message, lining up a guest, trying to figure out some sort of technical problem without talking about it on the air. It could be that uh, Matt's reminding me to take a break or telling me that I have to run a certain thing. Or There's all of this behind-the-scenes stuff that goes on with the show that uh, you know that you, you really don't get to see. I mean, like we like to say around here in the radio business, just give them the sausage, don't show them how it's made. <laughs> but uh, sometimes, you know, people want to see how the sausage is made, so... That may happen. But uh, throughout the course of the show tonight, we will take your calls at 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420, if you want to call in throughout the show. We are broadcasting solely on YouTube and on the web stream, on SpookySouthCoast.com, and on the Paranormal Radio app, and on the WBSM app, and everywhere that you can get the show digitally. That's where we're broadcasting tonight because the WBSM airwaves are running a football game. I think it's a, a college game. I wasn't paying attention. I don't think the, the Saturday night NFL games, are, they don't start until next month. Yeah, next month. For a couple of weeks, which will probably bump us to web only during those weeks as well. But uh, And then right after that, it's playoffs. Yeah, and I think the first week of the playoffs, there'll be some games that are on Saturday nights. But then once we get to, like, the AFC Championship game week, like... It'll be Sundays. Yeah, then we don't have to worry about that anymore. And and then we'll have Saturday nights wide open until the Red Sox season starts. So uh, we'll we'll certainly have plenty of good shows for you coming up. One of the shows that you can count on coming up will be our 13th anniversary show coming up in January, which this year we actually will have the show on our anniversary date. On January 26th, so that's pretty, that's pretty interesting. 26th, yeah, 26th. So, uh, and then uh, we also have some other shows coming up. For example, next week we're going to have Dr. Rita Louise's next week, right, Matt? Yeah, she's coming back to the show for the first time in years, so she'll be joining us. And then we have some other stuff planned coming up. Uh, one one note for tonight is it was tonight was supposed to be. If you saw me pushing this on social media a couple weeks ago, tonight was supposed to be the night that the paranormal porn stars joined us. So it's a group of uh, of porn stars from the UK who have started a paranormal group and are looking to try to get themselves a TV show. And so when I saw this, you know, it was a story that was going around on all the different, uh, you know, uh, news sites, not just the paranormal sites, but, you know, the regular news sites. Uh, when I saw that, I said, well, let me reach out to them and see if they want to come on. And they are definitely game for coming on. The problem is, is it's 3 a.m. where they live when the show goes live, so... They tried to get everything together for tonight to have everybody, but, um, you know, they've got, in addition to being porn stars as well as paranormal investigators, they've got all kinds of other things going on in their lives, too. So it's hard to get them at 3 a.m. So what we're going to do is we're going to uh, pre-record something with them sometime coming up the next couple of weeks, and then we'll run that on the show. So maybe maybe, so do maybe they, a Christmas-themed episode. <laughs> yeah. Do they actually have a show already? They don't. They're putting together like a, a pitch for a show. Oh, okay. From what I understand, you know, okay. they're they're trying to get some producers' eyes on them, but uh, they they've you know they've got, they've got practice in front of the camera. <laughs> yeah, this is true. So uh, they'll join us coming up because we you know we want to find out the inside story. A lot of the times, you know, we we've, we've seen this over the years. 
where we've had different um, different people get involved in the paranormal that have interesting outside lives. We talked about this a few weeks ago, you know, when the paranormal kind of works its way into your regular everyday life. But some of these shows and some of these people that have been out looking for shows, uh, you know, they've they've had a gimmick based on what their actual real day jobs are and you know you know Kane Hodder and yep. uh, and they have uh, the Hollywood paranormal the Hollywood, Hollywood ghost, ghost hunters, hunters. Yep. um so you know that's the same idea you know people that work in the film industry that are into this yep. we've had um there was the playboy models that st- started their own show yep. their own web series i, I think that kind of fell yeah, fell, yeah. Out, fell by the wayside um but I, that wasn't know. too long but that's the thing is, you know, there's there's people that have these interesting day jobs and they try to incorporate some of that into their work in the paranormal. And, it's, you know, it's kind of interesting to some degree, you know, to see how somebody who is uh, I'm very interested to see how somebody who is a porn star is going to investigate. No, just deals with being like I'd like to see like just their regular everyday life. You know, like it's got to be awkward when you get recognized. I mean, I guess you own it if you if yeah. you do it. But it's got to be awkward for the person that recognizes you. Like, hey, where do I know you from? I'm just, oh, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when have I seen you for like forty-five seconds at a time? Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I give myself too too much credit. Forty-five <laughs> seconds. But that's the that's the we can make those jokes. We're on YouTube only tonight. So the um, that's that's what I really want to get into the to the nuts and bolts of. Oh, that was probably a bad phrase to use. <laughs> But I want to find out, like, you know, how do you, how are you on the set of an adult film? And the conversation turns to the paranormal. And you start to say, you know, uh, I feel like, uh. Is you know, spirit in the room watching us right now? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like this, this place might be haunted. You know, I keep hearing, I keep hearing these banging sounds and I don't know what it is. So it just, and I don't mean to make fun because I'm sure that they're perfectly fine investigators, but I just want to find out kind of the, the genesis of how yeah. all of this came together and, and how they plan on keeping that balance of doing what they do and doing this because, like, you know, is their plan to only go out and investigate publicly, you know, public places? Do they plan on going to residential cases? Because that's a whole different can of worms oh, when you, yes. you know, when you're bringing somebody into your house that's an adult film star. You know, that might not always be kosher with everybody in the family. Yes. I know. I agree. And then just, just the aspect of it in general, you know, private, private homes, like you said, people might not like it, but then it could cause problems between spouses. You know, you never know what could happen. And <laughs> the, the other part too is, um, you know, we always say like when you're a paranormal investigator, you have to be careful because you could bring your own attachments in with you to these investigations. And so is there, you know, let, let's face it, the, the, the pornographic film industry, you know, there's, there's a low life inspe- expectancy for a lot of people that are involved in that. So are there spirits that could be attached to them surrounding that industry that could be part of that's, this as well? That's a good question. I will say this. They are not the first UK porn stars that I've known that have been into the paranormal. I actually have a, a friend who is um, an adult film star in the UK who is very much into the paranormal. Really? Uh, yeah. We She's been asking for a couple of years now if I can help her get more involved with stuff. And so it's uh, it's certainly something that is of interest to people in that in that field over there. I don't know how much in America 
it's of interest to them. But in the UK, I think they, you know, they have a, a pretty good pl- proliferation of shows on their networks too. So well, they're, they're a lot more op- open-minded overseas too. You not, know. not not in the UK. They're far more buttoned down. I would think. Really? Yeah. M- m- not about the paranormal. No, I'm just but, saying in general. But in, when it comes to uh, pornographic films, I think it's I think they're a little bit more buttoned down in the UK. Really? But we could ask them. Yeah. You know, they'll know for sure. I was just thinking that it would be more open because most of the countries over there, right. other are, European countries, other European countries are a lot more. I don't want to say you know free giving with it, but more lenient to it. Right. And. Um, you, you just know when you turn on some of their, their TV networks, mm-hmm. you know, like when we were kids and somebody would have satellite. Yes. <laughs> and uh, you go over their house and like, like, oh, you want to watch German TV? You get to see boobs. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I do. Absolutely. I, I, I don't know why, like, that's exciting to me, but I just, <laughs> I want to see it. It didn't take, uh, it didn't take very long for pornography to get uh, mediocre to Americans. What's the people around the world in general? When like once it became like free and you can get it anytime, people like, you know, you know, it's somebody brought up a good question in the chat room, and they were like, "I wonder how difficult it would be to take them serious as an investigator if people know going into locations that they're porn stars." Yeah, that's going to be a big challenge. I mean, look at just how much of a challenge it is for some of these gimmicky paranormal groups around here. Yeah, like um. You know, the paranormal expeditions. We were, we were their first ever interview. And that was one of the questions I remember talking with them about is like, you're putting yourselves out there as, you know, three attractive girls that are out there looking for ghosts. Are you worried that that will hurt your credibility as investigators because you are kind of also trying to be models at the same time? Yep. And, you know, it's something that you have to take into account. I mean, I believe me, it's not easy looking this good and being I, a paranormal investigator. I wake up every morning and say the same thing. It's like, Ah, like, uh, I know I'm so pretty. I hope people take me seriously today. I, I, I get out of the shower and looking in the mirror and I, it's hard goddamn work looking this good. Right. It's, but, uh, so far it hasn't gotten in my way, but <laughs> there's still time. Uh, so we will also find out too, um, we'll tie, we'll, we'll talk a little bit later on, uh, to, uh, Mike from our, our, you know, you know the Wicked Waters cruise is coming up. Yes. Only the, a few months away. The time is running short to uh, sign yourself up and to get involved in it. But uh, our friends from Holiday Maker Travel will be joining us. Mike will be calling in in a little while because we, they just they they've got some information that's going to really hit the website. It hasn't hit the website yet, so we're going to give you a little bit of a scoop on it tonight on Spooky South Coast. But if you've been thinking about joining the Wicked Waters cruise and you haven't quite made the plunge yet or if you are a part of the cruise and you're looking to add on a little something extra they've put together an excursion package that is phenomenal that uh i was just reading it here without without what they've added on it was already going to be a great trip right right and uh the just this this additional add-on thing as i was reading it out loud i was like wow and that and that and (laughs) that so uh we'll talk about that coming up as well there's there's certainly going to be um a lot of fun to be had on the cruise, even if you don't sign up for this additional excursion. But this just blows it out of the water, no pun intended, because this is uh, this is going to be a phenomenal. Uh, it, look, let me just put it to you this way: it's an eight and a half hour excursion. It's going to be a long day. I mean, the whole trip is going to be a long, fun trip. You can tell already, 
even if you don't do some of the excursions, you're gonna have you're gonna be busy. Seven days on a ship with me is is definitely gonna be fun. <laughs> I can promise that. There might be a day in the middle where we have to kind of put put the phone on pause for me to recover for a couple of hours. That happened last time I was on a cruise. I lost a whole day. Really? Let me just say, when you get off the ship and you go to Bermuda, bring water with you. Oh, I don't can. don't uh, don't take it for granted that you're just going out on a quick excursion and you can grab a bottle of water and come out. Like bring a big bottle with you because uh, you need to stay hydrated. I did not, <laughs> and so I paid the price Oof. the next day. I tried to make up for it by drinking screwdrivers because yeah. I was like, yeah, the, the orange juice will balance out the dehydration. No, I don't it think work. so. <laughs> didn't work. So uh, we'll find out some more about that as well. And again, as I mentioned, we'll take your calls. 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. We will keep it open line so you can talk about whatever it is that is on your mind when it comes to the paranormal. But uh, I will say this. We're getting into the, well, we're, I guess we're in now. I have to admit it. We're in the holiday season. Mm-hmm. We're in the Christmas season. And there's a story that's been going around. It's a couple of years old now. I think it's from 2016. Maybe it was from last year. I don't remember exactly. But we shared it on the Spooky South Coast Facebook page, and uh, and I've seen a lot of other people share it as well. And it's a story from the Smithsonian about trying to bring back the tradition of Christmas ghost stories. Back in you know the the 19th century, and and before, ghost stories were a bigger part of Christmas than they were of Halloween. So many of the actual Yuletide stories involved ghosts and of, of course the the one that's kind of lasted the longest is a christmas carol mm-hmm. uh, but there was a lot of stories that had ghostly spirits uh, you know ghostly um attributions to them and uh, that's you know part of the reason why you know you have the holiday spirit because you're being visited by this this feeling and uh, and you're getting this feeling so one of the things that i'm trying to do is bring some of that back so we're going to see if we can find some of these more obscure uh, Christmas ghost stories. I know Jeff Belanger, Dustin Parry, they they go around and they they do you know lectures solely about like some of these Yuletide ghost stories. Chris Balzano's talked about them with us in the past, and uh, and, and maybe we can bring some of these to the air. Some of these forgotten ones. Just think about this. You know, in, until five, six, seven years ago, people didn't even know about Krampus. I know that that just seems crazy to me. But now it's you know a story that everybody knows. But it was just something that was, I remember talking about it here on the show. I think we had Jeff on talking about it. And, uh, and it was, you know, this, this lost legend that people didn't really talk about. But now it's just part of the, the vernacular of, of the holiday season. Wasn't there a story, somebody asked in the chat room, wasn't there a story just recently that they found the, the original tomb of St. Nick? I don't know. We'll have to look more into that. But, um, I mean, I'll have to take a look, see if I can find something. If, when we go on break. If there's a tomb, you know, that means he's, Santa Claus is dead, right? This is true. Like, that's, we're going to break some hearts. <laughs> we're going to break a lot I'm of trying to, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to put this in a nice way, but, uh, you know, if there's a tomb, St. Nick died. No, then maybe we can go look for Santa Claus's ghost. This is true. Uh, but uh, we'll we'll talk about more of this, and and this is part of what I want to bring into. Uh, we're doing an event. I'm doing an event uh, coming up December eighth at the Oliver House in Middleborough, and I want to talk a little bit about these holiday spirits there as well. But of course, the the best part is investigating the Oliver House, and we have the house until midnight, 
And the event was supposed to start at 6 o'clock. So we were going to do 6 to midnight. But it turns out that the KOA campground across the street does their Christmas lights display where they charge like $5 a car load for people to go in and drive through and see all the Christmas lights. So Christy was telling me that uh, it would be really hard for people to get there for 6 o'clock because the traffic gets so backed up. Mm-hmm. So she said, why not just have people come earlier? So we're going to start showing up at like 3 o'clock at the Yellow House. And we're going to have all that extra time to, to hang out and, and get things ready and to kind of be in the house and get into the mode before we start investigating. So uh, it's definitely going to be well worth it nice. if you want to take part in that. You can go to SpookySouthCoast.com to get your tickets. And uh, and certainly, if you've never been to the Oliver House, I highly recommend it. We've been doing a couple of events here and there throughout the last couple of weeks. And there's a lot of people that have not been to the Oliver House yet. But also, if you have been... Like, this is going to be a pretty unique night. So I recommend, uh, if you've been thinking about going back, take advantage of this night because it's going to be very low-key. It's going to be super focused on the investigation. And every time I'm there, weird stuff happens. I just want to take that little square hole in the center there and see what's under it. Every time I go, I want to get that little piece of wood up. Which one's that? Where? In in the main room where Christy always sets up her equipment. Is that little square in the floor that nobody can like pry up and get it up? I just want to see what's in there. If there is even any, I don't. Th- I think it goes into the basement. No, it 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 goes into the. Well, it does, but it's there's some kind of um a support beam mm-hmm. underneath it, and they don't know if it's a plug that goes into the beam or if it comes out and there's a hollow thing inside there. No, well, listen. Every time I'm in that basement, I'm not worried about what's in that hole. I'm worried about what's coming at me in the dark <laughs> because. We get shadow people galore. We there have is. Uh, having um, phantom legs walk down the stairs and then disappear. That was pretty creepy. Interesting. Having f- uh, pictures fly off the off the nail on the wall that the the nail was at a forty five degree angle pointing upward, and the picture had a, a claw, you know, one of those sawtooth um, hangers, mm-hmm. and so it fit right over the nail at a forty five degree upward angle. And that meant something had to actually reach out underneath that picture frame and f- to, to flip it flip off it. the wall. And it did. And it came down and it was smashed. Smashed, uh, smashed all the glass, took down a clay pot on its way, a couple of clay pots on its way. And nobody has any idea how it could have happened. So just some of the experience we've had at the Oliver House. And you can have some as well if, uh, if you just go to spookysouthcoast.com, click on the events tab, and then you can get your tickets to our Holiday Spirits event at the, I think that's what I called it. I don't remember what I called the event, but it's at the Oliver House and it's on December 8th. <laughs> so while we're talking about some of the events that we have coming up, let's welcome Mike from Holiday Maker Travel to the show. Uh, good evening, Mike. Are you with us? Hey. Oh. Hello. Can you hear us? Yes, I can. Okay, I had to make sure I set everything up here correctly. Matt, we're good over there. You can hear him over there? Okay. And uh, we wanted to have you on because uh, there's there's a, a scoop you can give us here about something that's being added on to the Wicked Waters cruise. Exactly. We've got an extra shore excursion available. And uh, I was reading over this. This is phenomenal. This is beyond just, uh, you know, there's there's... 
things that you can do when you go on a cruise. When you when you sign up ahead of time, they have a whole list of things. When you're on the ship, they have a whole list of things. You know, swimming with dolphins and you know going on uh, deep sea fishing and all that kind of stuff. But this is like the perfect excursion for people that are into the paranormal. Exactly. This you can't get this on board. This is uh, we put this together especially just for our group. And uh, so why don't we tell everybody, this is an eight-and-a-half-hour excursion. It is. It's, it's, it's very cool. So I'm glad to talk about it. Do you want me to talk about it now? Sure, if you can, if you can give us the details. Sure, sure. So the ship arrives in port at uh, 1 o'clock at uh, King's Wharf. We get off the ship. Uh, 2 o'clock, we depart the, uh, the, the, the boarding area and take a little tour of the island. Um, the King's Wharf is on uh, the west end of Bermuda. We're going to travel all the way over to the east end, and uh, we're going to start the tour at Fort St. Catherine. Uh, this was built back in 1614 or something, so 400 years ago. Um, it's it's a big fort. Uh, we'll have an hour to spend ex- uh, exploring the different uh, uh, bunkers and different areas of the fort um, in our private group. Uh, I think we're going to be able to bring some investigating uh, gadgets with us to oh, see cool. what we can find. Uh, but we'll spend some time there. And then after that, we're going to take a, a, a little trip down to what they call the Unfinished Church. And uh, it's it's an actual church that was being built. It was about three-quarters of the way done, and they stopped. There was fighting uh, between who's building this and who's building that and all kinds of things. Um, but it's hundreds of years old, and we'll get a chance to uh, walk around, walk through it, uh, explore the grounds. And after that, uh, we're going to be able to – it's right by the town of St. George on the, uh, the east uh, east end of Bermuda. So we'll have about an hour to walk through St. George, check out the shops and the stores and the uh, areas in St. George. Um, and, and St. George is an awesome little town. Um, it is. It is. It's about an hour away from the uh, where, 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 where the the ship port is, and um, it's it's very cool. A lot of a lot of history there. And then uh, and then after that, we're gonna we're gonna have some dinner. Of course, uh, it's a long tour, so you have to have some food. Uh, and, of course, a couple of drinks. And uh, we're going to have dinner at the White Horse Pub, which is a, uh, a famous pub and seafood restaurant. Um, it's known for its great food, lively bar scene. Um, it's right on the waterfront, uh, right by the St. George Harbor. Um, we're going to get a, you know, your choice off the menu, uh, burgers, sandwiches, uh, salmon, uh, I think even steaks on the menu, and, of course, a couple of drinks. So we'll have a couple hours there to hang out and uh have some good food, um, and the, the coolest part of the tour comes after that. Yeah, that's uh, and and for those of you who have never been to St. George, let me just tell you, like at a certain time, like when it gets dark, it, things just kind of shut down, and oh yeah, and it gets really creepy, and it's. Really? It, oh yeah, it's really cool. Like, uh, you, you know, even though you're in like this little town, like it gets it gets dark, and it gets it, it just has a, a feel to it once the sun goes down. Yeah, as soon as the sun goes down, it, it kind of buttons up a bit. Everyone's back at their place, uh, wherever they are. Um, but for us, at uh, eight o'clock, um, we're going to go on a haunted history tour. Uh, it's a walking tour of the town of St. George, and. Um, uh, St. George is part of the uh, UNESCO World Heritage Site um, with 400 years of uh, history. 
So we're going to have our uh, storyteller guide. He's going to take us through the uh, the alleys, the lanes, all around the uh, town there, and we'll get a chance to hear some of the uh, fascinating stories from the famous residents of uh, from, from from many 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 years ago. Um, and we were not sure, but it could be haunted. No, we no, can't let, promise anything, uh-huh. but uh, uh, there'll be a few haunted stories involved. No, let, me, let me tell you, I have been to St. George, and I have walked around some of these places that they take you on the ghost tour. No, there's definitely stuff going on. Um, oh yeah, you're going to see 400, gonna, 400 years of history. It, it, it's just amazing, and it's 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 stuff that's native to the island. It's pirate stories, it's uh, you know colonization stories. There's all these different stories uh, that all come together. And, uh, and, and you will really get, like, in addition to having the, you know, the haunted ghost stories, you're, you're gonna get the, the full history of, uh, of, of St. George and of Bermuda, which, you know, for, for all of us geeks that love this stuff, it's, it's just as much to learn about the history as it is the haunts. Exactly. You know, and, and, and what's so cool about this, you know, so we're going to be together for, you know, eight some hours there, um, seeing the Fort St. Catherine and the unfinished church and, and the town and the haunted tour. Um, and we're going to get to hang out with you. Um, you know, hey, we're going to hang out with Tim from Spooky South Coast. We're going to be with um, Scott Porter from uh, uh, TWC and Stephanie Burke. Um, so, you know, it, it's much different than any other kind of event you've ever been to. And uh, this is just one of the, uh, this is just an excursion. It took us months to put this together with all the different parts to it. Um, and uh, we're glad we're able to get it together. Um, well, so this uh, is the first day we get in Bermuda that this tour is going to go on. I'm just impressed because, you know, uh, in the past, other other paranormal groups have gone to Bermuda and have tried to get into the fort to try to investigate. And it's it's hard to get into there. They won't let anybody in. So the fact that we can get in there and that we can bring some of our equipment with us and check it out, I mean, that's that's some pretty groundbreaking stuff. It, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, so it's open to the public. So we're going to be a group going in there. Um, we're going to bring a couple of handheld stuff. Um, we hope to find something. We hope they don't kick us out too quick. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, and, and this is the first day that we get to Bermuda. Um, we're there for three days. So the next day you have all day to go out and explore and do your beach things, um, see the caves there, um, the dolphins. Um, and on the second night, we've got a, a, a shore excursion that's included. Uh, we're going to take a little boat ride to the Bermuda Triangle. And that's already included in, in, in the whole package. Right. Um, this this, so this eight and a half hour one on the first day, just so people are following along, this this first one is extra, but it's only, it's only $149 a person to add on. $149 includes everything, including dinner and drinks. That, I mean, that's amazing. You'll spend that just for dinner yeah. for two people as you go exactly. out. And uh, so, you know, you get this whole this whole big excursion, but then the next day you're saying there's, a, there's an excursion that's included with your ticket to the Wicked Waters Cruise. Right, right. So it's a seven-day cruise. Um, so we've got a couple of days at sea on the way there, a, couple, a, a day at sea on the way back. Um, at sea, we're going to be doing presentations and lectures from all of you guys, um, doing some panel discussions. Um, Stephanie's going to be doing some private readings. Um, and then when we get to Bermuda, we do this. You know, this is one of the options for the first day. Uh, and then the uh, second night, um, we're going to take a little uh, cruise uh, right out to the Bermuda Triangle, uh, at twilight, right, right when the uh, sun goes down, so it, it, it's it's really cool. Uh, we'll go out, we'll see some shipwrecks and some other things. Um, it, it's just a great time. 
And the whole the whole trip is going to just be fantastic. It's uh, again, it's it's from Boston to Bermuda through the Bermuda Triangle. It's myself, Stephanie Burke, Scott Porter. It's going to be just a fantastic time, and uh, and and certainly it's going to be, um, you know, you know, I I can guarantee you it's going to be some of the most fun you've ever had in your life because I can right. promise you I am I I am a party animal on a cruise ship. <laughs> You know, and, and you're going to lead a, we're going to go up to the top deck one of the nights at sea, and uh, we're going to look for some UFOs. Maybe we'll see something up there. I know the last time I did it, I did. I saw some stuff that I couldn't explain. Uh, we also had, uh, John Tenney had some of his occultist friends also try to make some things happen under the water. So we'll see if we can, we'll see if we can get that to happen again uh, while we're out there, see if we can get his friends to kind of conjure something up for us again. And uh, it's it's just it's a great time. I mean, it's a chance to to hang out. You know, we'll talk about the paranormal, but at the same time, we're also going to be on vacation too. So we get to right. all hang it's out. A cruise. And- so all your food, all your drink, uh, all your meals are included. Uh, the cruise is May tenth to the seventeenth, uh, twenty nineteen. Next year, uh, we'll be sailing from uh, Boston to Bermuda uh, on the Norwegian Gem. Um, the inside cabin rate starts at thirteen forty nine. Includes your seven night cruise, your port charges, taxes, fees. We have the cocktail party, a group photo, uh, and then you get to pick two amenity packages uh, that that you could add to your cruise, which could be the drink package. That's all your drinks, all week long. Um, you can also add your service fee, right. gratuities, Wi-Fi, or a dining package, or a seventy-five dollar onboard credit. Um, it's WickedWatersCruise.com. All the details are there. Um, our information is there. Give us a call. Um, we're happy to talk to anyone about it and, and go over all the details for them. And, and so definitely get on board, no pun intended, and, uh, and sign up now. And, and, uh, and if you do, if you come along with us, I can promise you it will be a vacation to remember. So Right. The uh, deposit's only $50 a person through this uh, Cyber Monday weekend, uh, Black Friday through Cyber Monday weekend, $50 a person to hold a space. And uh, the final payment's due in January. I just want to say, too, I want to thank you and Wendy for working so hard on this because those $50 deposits, see, what people don't understand is that you guys have been fighting to keep those going uh, since we've announced this cruise so that people can can sign up for this without having to, to lay a lot of money down right now. So you guys keep fighting to make sure that people can get on board and they can just put that $50 deposit down to be able to do so. So thank you guys for, for working so hard to making sure not only that this is going to be a great cruise, but also to make sure that people can can take part in it in, in the easiest way possible. Sure, sure. You know, it's it's we're going to be a small group on a big ship. We'll we'll probably be fifty people, maybe maybe fifty to sixty people in the whole group. The ship holds like twenty five hundred people, so we're a small group on a big ship. Um, we've got about nine cabins left at our special group rates. After that, the rates are going to go up hundreds of dollars. So, uh, nine cabins left, fifty dollar per person deposit. Um, WickedWatersCruise.com. All the information is in there, or give us a give us a call tomorrow. We'll be in the office tomorrow and all next week. All right. Thank you so much, Mike, for uh, for all your hard work and, and say hi to Wendy for us. I sure will. Thanks very much. Looking forward to see you guys. All right. Have, Have a good, good night, night, Mike. That is Mike from Holiday Maker Travel, and and don't forget too, you can use our codes when you sign up. So you can either use my code Tim, Stephanie's code Burke, or Porter's code Porter. And uh, so, if you use those codes, you know that we know, then we know which team you're picking. You know who you want to who you want to hang Can out you with. Put all three in at one time. Uh, well, you're going to have to hang out with all three of us no matter what. 
that's guaranteed. But uh, certainly, you know, I'm just going to put it out there because, you know, Porter's not here and Stephanie's not here. So if you want to use the promo code TIM, it's the easiest one to put in. It's only three letters. So you save time right there just by only having to put in three letters. This is so true. Check it out, wickedwaterscruise.com. Uh, I, I just, I got to say, having been through um, St. George and having to, having been to Bermuda, it's definitely one of, see, when I, when I got there, I, I didn't have any plans to, to leave the ship because I was kind of thinking like, you know, I'm not really a beach guy. Mm. Uh, I'm not really somebody that would want to go out and like, you know, go rent a cabana on the beach all day and just sit there and soak in the sun and swim in the water. Like, it's just, it's, that's not really my thing. You know, I'll stay on the ship and I'll help out anybody that's on the ship and maybe I'll go swimming in the pool or whatever. But I went on a little excursion with, uh, with John Tenney and, uh, Greg and Dana Newkirk and we went to, there's a, 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 what they call glass beach where there's all the sea glass that washes up, collects on this beach. And so that's really cool. But right down the street from that is a, is a maritime graveyard. Oh, really? And it's really, really cool. And it's not that far. It's not that big of a walk. From... Is that the one that you posted? People were posting pictures of mm-hmm. that's very old looking. Yes. Okay. And so, uh, if anybody's coming on the cruise and wants to go out there, I will happily lead everybody out there. I know exactly how to get there. It's an easy walk. Um, you know, just make sure you bring water. Unlike I didn't do. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, you know, I'll lead people out there. We can go to the Glass Beach if you want to do that because the, the cemetery is pretty much right across the street from there. And, uh, you know, I'm somebody who I'm not very travel savvy. Uh, I only, I never flew on a plane until, you know, five years ago for the first time. So I'm not somebody that really travels a lot. Mm-hmm. Like usually if I'm going, I go to places that I can drive to. Um, but so I was a little, you know, a little worried going on cruises and going to other countries and, Going to places where, you know, they might be taking advantage of people and. Or might be taking you in general. Right. But it's <laughs> not, it's not like that at all in Bermuda. Everybody is so nice, so friendly. Um, everybody is, you know, everybody speaks English, which is, I know, a concern that a lot of people have when they travel to the Caribbean. You know, am I going to be able to communicate? Everybody speaks English. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, it's just very, they know that tourism is, is what drives there. everything. Yep. So, you know, they take care of people. And, uh, and it's not like, it's not one of these places where you go to other tourist destinations and, you know, you're going to have to shell out all kinds of money to get souvenirs and things are, this is, this is like shopping in America and you can, you just use American money. You don't need to convert your money over. Oh, so it's not like what I went through when I went to Canada. <laughs> no, it's, it's easy. It's even easier than Canada. So, you know, they take American money at all those places and, uh, you, you know, you can exchange it for Bermudan money if you want to, but, uh, but they take American money for everything. And, uh, and it's, it's just a very welcoming place. And so I, I definitely recommend, but if you are going to go to St. George, like, don't go on your own because as I was mentioning to John, uh, before the show, it's a hike. Like you look at it on a map of Bermuda, you're like, oh, it's, it's not that far. Like we could walk. You know, it's not that far, but it is that far because there is no straight shot. You have to go through the entire island. You have to go from one side of the island to the other to get there. And you can't drive in Bermuda. Like, you're not going to show up there and rent a car because so, they don't let people that aren't from Bermuda drive. So what do you rent? Scooters? You can rent scooters. Oh, okay. I would also recommend that you don't rent a scooter. Okay. 
Okay. Um, they do have, you know, they have cabs, they have buses. I think they even have Uber. So you want to do that. You want to try to, if you're going to go on your own, you want to get a ride with somebody who knows how to drive Bermuda. The roads are very narrow mm-hmm. and it's, uh, they're very windy. So it's, that's why what's so great about these excursions is we get to all go together. So you don't have to worry about getting yourself to and from where you need to be. Yep. I, I had grand designs of, you know, renting a scooter or a motorcycle or something and just riding all around the island. That's what I was going to do. When I got there and I saw the roads, I'm like, yeah, no, no, thanks. <laughs> because the people who live there drive on them every day. They know how to maneuver them. Yeah. You know, they're not going to be looking out for the stupid American that's trying to drive the motorcycle down the road. That's so, uh, but absolutely, you will have uh, a great time, I promise. And as we mentioned, one of the amenities is the unlimited drink package. That's you know. the best part of it. To be able to just walk up to the bar and order whatever you want. And, and what's funny is, you know, it's a $16 limit per drink when you get the unlimited okay. drink package. So you can only get a drink that's worth up to $16. And most drinks are priced around that on a cruise ship. Oh, really? So it's not like you're going up there and paying, you know, $4 for a bud. Mm-hmm. You're going to pay like $11 for a bud if you're paying cash out of your own pocket. I'm just pulling that number out of my head. It, you know, it's pricier than it would be. If you were buying it, because, you know, you also have, there's, you know, different fees involved, yep. especially when you're in Bermuda and you're in port, there's port fees and all that stuff involved. So that all gets added onto your card and the tip and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But when you have the drink package, that's all included. So you just walk up to the, you walk up to the bar and you order what you want or you sit down at the table and the, the waiter or the waitress comes over and they, they ask you what you want and you just get it. And that's it. Nice. Now, now, what happens if you did, like, say, for instance, for me, I only drink Jaeger. So if I got a Jaeger and Red Bull here in the States, that's $12, $15. Um, so it would probably be, so let's say, 20 bucks. What would happen then? Would you have to pay the difference? I think if it's I think if it's over the $16, I think you have to pay the outright price. Oh. But uh, I don't know if they even have the Red Bull on the ship. I don't think I saw anybody drinking that. That's okay. I'll do Jaeger and orange juice. They do, they, yeah, they, they do, they'll be able, I, I assume they have Jaeger. They must. They don't have the machines. I don't remember seeing the machines. You know, the, the ones that keep it cold. Oh. I don't think I've seen that, but they must have bottles of it. But then, you know, they also have, like, the daily drink. So every day they have a different cocktail that's like the drink of the day. And so when you go to some of the bars, especially like the bar around the pool, they have it already made up in like these big, like, containers. containers. And so you just walk up and be like, oh, the drink of the day. Shh, there you go. You know, and there's bars everywhere. It's not, you don't have to wait in line for a drink. Nice. And, uh, but it's not just about the drinking either. I know I, I feel like, uh, I feel like I'm, uh, yammering on too much about the cruise, but I'm just trying to give people the information if they've never been. Uh, so one of the, one of the things that Mike mentioned there is, you know, all your meals are included on the ship. I'm like, like he, he's underselling it. Like, you will eat like a king on the ship, included with your price. There's a buffet that's open pretty much all day. And I'm sure it's not no chintzy buffet. No, it's not. (laughs) They have uh, all different, they they have different theme days. You know, one day it might be some Asian dishes, one day it might be some Indian dishes. They also have other things, like they always have burgers and they always have like turkey and steak and all that kind of stuff. But uh, they have different theme stuff. But you walk in in the morning and they have a, a big layout for breakfast. With uh, omelet stations and French toast and waffles and everything you could possibly want for breakfast, cereal, coffee, juice, and then you go back at lunch and dinner, and they have all different kinds of other meals 
Um, and they have a soft serve machine, so you can go and get an ice cream cone if you want one. But they also have, I don't know if the Gem does, I'm assuming it's the same as the Don, which is a ship I've been on twice. They also have a Sunday bar oh. by the by the pool where like there's a guy, like a little white cap that makes you a Sunday with anything that you want on it. So you can just sit, so can just right sit by the pool? Just, or just, you can sit in the pool and, and just eat, eat ice, ice cream. cream all day. I get my ice cream oh, sundae and I get my I get my aluminum bottle of Budweiser and I just sit down in the pool with that and that's that keeps me going for a couple of hours. That's how I just find a corner and I sit. I don't need to swim, I don't need to move. I just sit there and relax. That's funny. But you do, so you get the buffet. But there's also other restaurants throughout the ship where you can eat. There's a couple of main dining uh, halls where they have a different menu every day. And so you can go in there and you can say, "Okay, I'm going to have the New York strip, but I will have the uh, you know, salmon appetizer, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'll have the cheesecake for dessert. But you know what? I can't decide if I want the sirloin steak or the turkey, so I'm going to get both. And you just can. And then uh, they have a couple other restaurants. They have an Asian restaurant and a Mexican restaurant, which those are a little bit, those aren't included in your dining package. You have to pay to go to those, but they're not that expensive. You know, like you're paying 10, 12 bucks for a meal. And uh, they have a steakhouse. Uh, they must have a sushi bar. They do. The well, the, the Asian place is a sushi well, place. Like, you know, and, uh, hibachi. Yeah, the hibachi. Yeah. Yes. But that's not included. That's a little extra. Yeah, but still. But then uh, you can, so, but when you get these amenities, you get to pick two amenities when you sign up for the cruise. So you can pick the unlimited packet, the unlimited drinks package, but you could also pick the unlimited dining package, which means that you can go into any of those restaurants like you would the buffet. Mm-hmm. And it's included with everything. So I'm telling everybody, if you're going to sign up, those are the two amenities that you want to pick. Don't worry about the onboard credit. Most people just end up spending that in the casino anyway. Uh, don't worry about the Wi-Fi because you're not going to use you're it. You're not going to use it. And it's, I don't know how it's going to be since they've upgraded it, but it's not that great when you're out at sea anyway. Right. And it's just going to frustrate you. You know, for three days, disconnect, get to Bermuda. You'll have free Wi-Fi everywhere in Bermuda. And then, you know, for three days, you can disconnect again. But then, if you get the the drink package and the dining package, you're golden. You yeah. can just do whatever you want on the ship, and uh, and you'll you'll you would like the 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 uh, spa. They have a spa where you can get massages. Really? Yep. Yeah, I know you're into that stuff. So oh, absolutely. So they have that there as well. You know, that's a little bit more money. They have a casino mm. where you can gamble. I'm not a fan of gambling, but I like I, to, I like I to am, go down there and watch I people. I don't know if I do it there. I mean, we get enough casinos around here. I'm not a gambler, but I do I do like to go and walk through there and watch people lose their money. Pretty much, <laughs> and uh, and they have a theater where there's constantly shows going on all week long. Uh, so it's it's definitely it's a, it's a it's a vacation to remember. Nice. So if you've never been, I highly recommend it. WickedWatersCruise.com. April Gardner says the ice cream sells it. Yes, absolutely. Guarantee you that you will not go wrong. <laughs> Jimmy's in the chat room. It's all about the drinking. <laughs> Jimmy knows. Jimmy's been there with me. He's been on a couple of them. He's he's been every cruise I've ever been on. Jimmy's on. Very so, cool. And he's going to be on this one too. So, uh, yeah, we'll be closing down the bars together every night. And there's karaoke. Really? And you might even see me dance. There's always like trivia games. We want to see you get up and sing karaoke. I've done it. There's video out there. So anyway, that's all coming up with the Wicked Waters cruise. Just go to wickedwaterscruise.com, use my promo code TIM or Stephanie's code Burke or Porter's code Porter. Uh, if you want to use those to sign up and you can only, you can get in there for only having to put $50 down. 
Not a bad deal at that all. That is a great deal. And then payments due at the end of January. So if you're a little bit worried right now about you know, paying for Christmas and you want to pay for all that up front, just put the $50 deposit down. Then when Christmas is over, you got a whole other month to put the rest of the money down. So you can you know, pay off all your Christmas bills on your credit card and then just put the balance of the cruise on your credit right. card and pay it off by May and you'll be good to go. No, that's that's the best way to do it. That way you can just not have to stress over it through, during Christmas. And it makes a great gift, too, as well. So if you want to surprise the loved one with a, the best Christmas gift ever, there you go. All right, I think I've done the, the hard sell on that for everybody. Why don't we take a break? We'll take a, a quick break, uh, just a minute or so. When we come back on the other side, we'll start taking your calls. The lines are open, 508-996-0500. 877-996-1420. Paranormal open lines, whatever is on your mind when it comes to the strange and unusual. So we'll be right back with more coming up in just a moment here on Spooky South Coast. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? you love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in paranormal talk entertainment. The Paranormal Radio app. Free in Google Play and the iOS app store. And uh, we just want to, you know, leave the lines open for the rest of the show. You can call in and you can talk about whatever is on your mind when it comes to the paranormal. 508-996-0500 is the number to call in. There is, uh, you know, there's there's a lot that's been going on in the paranormal world lately, and some of it is, you know, you know there's there's always drama. Well, there's, there's always there's always uh, you know infighting, and there's always issues. But one thing that I've seen, at least in getting out there and doing the different events that I did through through October and September and all the library lectures and everything, one thing that I've seen is. There seems to be a turn toward people, you know, willing to just take a story at face value again. Mm-hmm. People looking to just hear something creepy. Yep. So it's not just about, you know, what can you prove to me? It's not just about what can you show me that is uh, evidence of the paranormal. People are kind of getting on board with just the idea of it's okay just to hear a, a creepy story. And if it happens to be true, you know, that's, that's, that's all the better. better. But yeah. it's, it's not so much like they're going to worry about the little in- intricacies of the story. And, you know, we do a stage show, Jeff and Andy and Carl and I, we do a stage show where we go out and, you know, we stand in front of Frank Grace's awesome photos and we tell the ghost stories. And nobody's ever come up to us at the end of one of those and said, Hey, I really like that story, but, uh, you know, I have a little bit of a question about the factuality of this and the actuality of that. They People just, just enjoyed it. They just like the story. And I think we're getting back to that more. And I think part of what's helped in that is the fact that some of these paranormal TV shows have gone away from the investigation style mm-hmm. and they've gone more into the recreation shows where, you know, you've been involved in these where you yep. tell your story on camera yep. and then usually they have an actor who looks nothing like you playing yep. you in a dramatic recreation of what happened. This is true. And, uh, and, and so, I mean, the guy who played you. I went from six, seven to five, eight. Yeah, but like, that's okay. Like, you know, you have kind of a unique look. It's going to be hard to find somebody <laughs> that can, that can, uh, properly portray you. Um, they should have just let me do it. I asked them to. They didn't want to fly me. That's the problem. They, well, yeah. 
Well, but uh, so you know, the, you're but like Moniz, they didn't yeah. even try to get close to Moniz oh, in the in the show that they recreated his uh, his UFO abduction story. Well, they did it. They, they was like, well, this, this guy doesn't look anything like him. Like at least put a wig on the guy so he has long hair, you know. <laughs> but anyway, so these these recreation stories are starting to become. You know, the new trend in, in paranormal television. I think part of that is because, like, you know, when you do the investigation shows, it's hard to, to stand out. It's hard to get the equipment that's different than what another show is using. It's hard yeah. to go to places that another show hasn't been. You know, it's hard to kind of stand out and, and, and have originality for all those episodes. But when you're talking about people's personal stories, it resonates with the viewer. And uh, the same thing happens with books. You know, when people are sharing their own stories, those stories resonate far better with the reader than any theories would. Mm -hmm. Or any stories, even stories of investigation, I think, are starting to wane in terms of people's interest level. You know, it's 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 kind of like, okay, you went out looking for it. So, yeah, you're going to have experiences. But people still love to hear about when somebody wasn't expecting it. And they get blindsided by it. And so I like that trend. And I think another reason why it's becoming uh, so popular to have that that version of paranormal television now is because horror has made quite a comeback. It has, over the past couple of years. I mean, we 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 got duped by paranormal activity. I'll, I'll, I'll freely admit it. You know, we got caught up in the hype when... The campaign came out, and they were calling it the scariest movie of all time, and people were fainting in the theater, and, you know, they put the blitz on, and they put the campaign out there, and they were reaching out to shows like ours and saying, you know, we'd really like you to start pushing paranormal activity, and we're going to give you tickets to give away and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, we we got kind of sucked into that hype. And it turned out not to really be the scariest movie of all time, but it was it was good, the first one. and uh, And it was different, and it was unique, and I think kind of... From that time period, and right around the time they started remaking those Japanese horror movies like The Ring yep. uh, and The Grudge and all those movies, I think from that point on, we've seen a real, like a, a, a renaissance of horror. And I was trying to figure out, like, what is it that has led to this renaissance? And I was watching, I don't know if you've been watching uh, Eli Roth's History of Horror yes. on AMC. Oh, absolutely. So just watching some of those episodes and, and kind of you know thinking more about it. And I realized it's because we're getting away from like the slasher flick and the, you know, the monster flick that was so popular like in the in the 80s and the 90s so we're talking the jason movies the freddy movies yep. you know even uh you know i know what you did last summer scream those kind of movies we're getting away from that and we're getting more into the psychological stuff <laughs> and that's what i think is driving this is that it's not it's not so much about those visceral scares anymore and the the funny part is is you know we live in a time when you can cgi anything that you want Pretty much, yeah. And you could make a movie that looks ridiculously scary, but that's not what scares people anymore. People don't want the the bloody and the gory and, and, and all that. They want the psychological. Mm -hmm. And it makes a big difference. So, you know, The Haunting of Hill House, I don't know if you've watched that series. Absolutely. I haven't seen the last episode yet. So I'll just, I'll just go, I'll just going to tell you this. It's not going to ruin it yeah. for you. But the last episode is usually like the last couple of episodes yep. are where people are complaining mm -hmm. because it does get, it's very heavy on the family. Yeah. So, 
but it's wrapping up the storyline. Yeah. But, 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 you know, that's usually my criticism of horror is that you get me hooked for the first three act, uh, the first two acts of the movie, but then the final act doesn't usually deliver. You know, the ending never delivers in a horror movie for me. But this, you know, the, the haunting of Hill House kind of did have, uh, somewhat of an acceptable ending. Um, it's there's still loose ends and all that kind of stuff, but you know you expect that with a series because it's going to go in a different direction one way or another. Uh, they're t- and they're trying to figure out what direction season two will go in. Uh, but the what I like about it is that you're dealing with like there's not a lot of overt scary things no. that happen in that in that show. It's more mental. And if you go back and if you watch the original, The Haunting, the the 1963 movie. It's based on the same book that led to that series. Mm-hmm. If you go back and you watch that movie, there's no ghosts in that movie. I'm trying to think, because I have seen that, and I, I think you are right. There isn't. There's no, like, you're not seeing something fly by you on the screen. You're not seeing something reach out at you. What you're getting is you're getting noises. You're getting, um, you know, the only real special effects in that movie uh, is the door toward the end of the movie like kind mm-hmm. of uh like pulsating almost like uh expanding toward toward the people that are in the room but generally and this was pointed out in the Eli Roth thing generally the horror is conveyed in that movie by just showing the faces of the people yes and seeing the way that they're processing this and i think w- what the series the haunting of hill house did is it it gave you the the character development enough so that you could understand why this stuff freaked them out so much and why it affected each person the way that it did. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I love the fact that... I'm glad that I... You know, because I saw The Haunting years and years ago and I just went out and I rewatched it last night. And I'm glad that I took the time to do that because now that I've gone back and watched the original, I can see all the little um, nods and homages to the original and to the Shirley Jackson book that are now in the TV series, which is pretty cool. Uh, like I, I never would have even remembered the fact that there's that spiral staircase in the in the library, um, and then there's a spiral staircase yeah. in, in the TV version. Yeah. So just you know things like that. But there's like if you watch that whole series, and so you said you've watched all but the last episode. Yep. So there's only one jump scare in the entire series. Pretty much. Like the rest of it is, you know, kind of slow burn, slow build mm. horror. And the one jump scare that it does have is like a perfect jump scare. Like it, it had to be that. I, I thought the 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 basement when he went down the the elevator, the little kid mm-hmm. in the shirt got torn. I thought that was a pretty good scare, right, for him. But no, there was there was definitely like some really good freaky dramatic tension scares. But uh, you know, none, none of the I think jump scares are basically cheap for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they didn't overuse it. I don't know. Do you want, I don't know if you want to get in on this, man. Have you watched the show yet? Okay. Then I, I'm not going to ruin it by saying too saying much. what the things are. That's there. why I was trying to be careful in case of him or anybody listening too. There's I definitely a, don't want to ruin it. There's definitely a rewatchability factor for it. Uh, you know, Matt shared it out on the spooky South coast Facebook page. And I, and I think on the Twitter account too that you know you can go back and see all the hidden ghosts that are there in the show, 
And there are a lot. And I started picking up on some of them myself, like toward the end of them. Um, but so there's definitely a, a rewatchability to it in that regard. But if you look at some of the, like Haunted House movies, to me, are the best. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't mind slasher films. I don't mind, you know, some of these other things. I love Evil Dead, you know, things like that. But to me, if I want the psychological scares, I love the Haunted House or the ghost movies. And some of the older ones are, are great. Mm. And they get kind of lost in the shuffle. But, you know, like, have you ever seen Burnt Offerings? No, I haven't, and you're not the first person that said that to me. It's a great movie. I mean, it's it's one of those movies where, I, I, you know, you don't see it on television enough, but if you go out and you look for it and you find it, it's well worth sitting down and watching. Um, yeah, I've had a few people tell me that movie that they 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 know that I like horror and they're like, you need to watch this. Yeah, you it's another one it. of those slow burn, yep. you know, psychological build type movies. Uh, but I'm I'm glad that at least in that history of horror, you know, Poltergeist got its due for being just the great movie that it is, and that's another one of those movies. That's that's like the ultimate combination of having that slow build mm-hmm. to the horror, but then when it comes time, like all hell breaks mm-hmm. loose, and 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 it's one of the few horror movies that has a satisfying ending to me. It's funny, Colleen, Colleen's in the chat saying the same thing in big letters. You've got to see Burnt Offerings. You've got oh, to see yeah. it. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's a great movie. Um, there's a lot of them, though, that, uh, you know, have kind of... So, I don't know if you have um, if you have the Epics channel I on think, your cable. Yes. Yeah. So, if you go into Epics, like, they have a bunch of old movies. Old, you know, 1930s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s horror movies. And some of these are total cheese fest, but some of them are really good. Like, I record every Saturday night, of course, we're here, but I record Sven Gulli on MeTV because they show some really good movies. And right now, they're in a run of showing uh, William Castle films. And William Castle's one of my favorite directors of all time because every one of his movies had a gimmick. Oh, really? Well, not everyone, but a lot of his movies had a gimmick. So tonight, they're showing Mr. Sardonicus. And uh, so Mr. Sardonicus is this, this, this character who becomes evil and uh, at the end of the movie they would have the audience decide his fate they supposedly film two endings and in one ending he dies mm-hmm. and in the other ending he's redeemed and and you know he he gets to to live a, a happy life and so they would give people these glow in the dark cards that had a a, a thumb you know like kind of like a facebook like yeah. you know the thumbs up and uh, and what you would do is when it came time to determine his fate, they would stop the film, or I think William Castle showed up on the screen, and he would say, hold your cards up, thumbs up if you want him to, to live and, and be redeemed, thumbs down if you want him to die. And the idea was that the, the projectionist would look and see and count all these cards in the dark and then run the ending based on how, how the votes really? were. But the... The legend is they never really filmed two endings. Like, the ending is that he's he, he dies. I mean, not to ruin the movie, yeah. but the ending is that he dies. And they did claim that a couple of times, like in a couple of theaters, they did run the ending where he lives, but nobody's ever seen that ending since. So the they think it's just kind of a story that's been made up and that, you know, they just assumed that everybody was going to vote thumbs down anyway, so they only really made that one 
that one ending. Oh. But they had other, you know, Castles had other movies. Uh, have you seen the original 13 Ghosts? Not the original, no. No, the remake was pretty good. I I mean, I liked it. The one with Tony Shalhoub and... Um, uh, Matt, Matt. Um, with, we're talking about the same one, right? I don't know. It was a, it was a house where uh, they had... Yeah, all glass walls. Yeah, and they had and, the yeah. ghosts like, trapped in the yep. house. So the original... Matt, Matthew Lillard. That's who I was trying to think of. Okay. Yep. So the original... Um, the original William Castle film was, uh, you know, the same idea. This this guy inherits a, a mansion from his from his uh, rich uncle, and uh, and the rich uncle is trapped thirteen ghosts in the house, actually eleven ghosts, and then he becomes the twelfth. But anyway, there's thirteen ghosts in the house, and so the gimmick with that movie was, uh, what do they call it, Illusiono. So with Illusiono, you had the option if you wanted to see the ghosts or not. Mm-hmm. So what they would do is they would give you a red and a white, yeah, a red and a blue, like 3D glasses. Yeah. Except it was one panel was blue at the top and one panel was red at the bottom. Look through this panel if you don't want to see the ghosts. Look through this panel if you do want to see the ghosts. And they would tell you on screen when to use your viewer. So if you held it up and you looked through the blue, they were using basically the same technology as 3D, where they had the red and the blue, but they would just, you know... They would make it so that it would block it out if it was the blue, and then if you use the red, you would see the ghosts. Now, if you watch the movie now, they've they've removed all of that, and they just make it so that you can see the ghosts on the screen. But in those days, you would decide when you went into the theater if you wanted to see the ghosts or not by using that viewer. And then he had another movie uh, called The Tingler. I don't know if you've ever seen this one, Vincent no. Price. So Vincent, and I've seen a lot of his movies. In, in, in The Tingler, the idea is that... Um, I forget what they called the gimmick, but the, the 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 idea of the tingler is that every human being has this this like parasite that lives on your spine, mm-hmm. your spine tingler. So when when things when you're afraid, this thing feeds off of that fear, and so um, Vincent Price's character is a is a doctor who's also a mortician, but um, or a a, um, a coroner. So uh, he says that um, if you can catch somebody who dies of fright at the moment that they die and cut them open, you can remove the tingler and prove that it exists. So he does. And uh, it just so happens that in, in the course of the movie, the tingler gets loose in a movie theater. Really? So, so then Vincent Price gets Somebody to come just up. said that in the chat. So Vincent Price comes on and says, you know, the tingler is in the theater. And so they would put these vibrating boxes under some of the chairs in the theater and during that scene, they would hit a button that would cause those chairs to vibrate and scare people. And they'd be like, oh, my God, the tingler is under my chair. But they didn't do it to every chair. They only did it to some chairs. So um, so that was the, the gimmick for that. And then um, he also had The House on Haunted Hill with Which Vincent was, Price. That was, I love that one. And in that movie, they have, I think, I think I got that right. I think that's the one that's the castle movie. But they had what they called, uh, what would they call it? Was it a? It was an old insane asylum. They called it Emergio or something with Vincent Price, and they it was like they paid them ten thousand dollars if they could stay the night. Yep. So they had what was called like Emergio. So in that, there's a scene where like the the skeleton comes out, and they would actually have a skeleton that would come on a like a fishing line through the middle of the theater during that part of the... Really? So as it was coming out on the screen, it would kind of carry through the entire theater, and would go to the back and. They ended up having to get rid of it because 
all the kids were going to see the movie again and again. Oh. And so they knew the skeleton was coming. Yeah. So when the skeleton came out, they'd all throw their candy at it and all <laughs> their sodas and everything. And, uh, you know, kids would bring, kids would bring in bats and all those kind of stuff. So I just, I love those, uh, I love those William Castle gimmick films. And they're, they're decent movies. They hold up pretty well. I, I think Vincent Price, all his movies were awesome. I loved his stuff. Well, what was great about him is that, uh, you know, in some movies he was um, very much like the personification of evil. Mm -hmm. But in a lot of his movies, he was just a guy Mm -hmm. who was caught up in these. And he he had a great way of portraying that that side of him where, you know, you kind of felt bad. It was definitely in, in The Tingler, you know, he's a guy who has a wife who doesn't appreciate him and she's upset because he spends so much time on his work and she's cheating on him and she thinks nothing of coming home with a guy and like making out with the guy right on the front lawn of the house so that everybody knows that this guy basically you know has to has to live that lifestyle and and uh and so you know you you feel bad for him mm. and and you 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 feel bad for what he's going through and and he can kind of carry that and i think that's what works so great about the the hunting of hill house tv show is like you really felt for the father, even you know, especially the younger version of the father, the Henry Thomas version. You really felt bad for him, and like what he was going through and how he was trying to protect the kids from what was going on. I I, I was getting those two films confused. You're talking about the house on the the haunted hill house. Yes, the house on haunted hill, I believe, is the castle film with Vincent Price. Yeah. He brings a bunch of people together, and yes. whoever can stay the night will get $10,000. Yeah, but then there's another movie called The Hill House. There's there's also The Haunting, which is The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. And then there's also uh, The Legend of Hell House. Okay, yep. So see, there's all these yeah. different... That's why then, I was getting confused there for a second. And, uh, and, and I, you know, I'm trying to watch the chat here to see if uh, if anybody kind of... Gets what's going on, and uh, and and Age of Quarrel mentions in the chat room that Castle also produced Rosemary's Baby, and that's true. He did. Um, he actually wanted to direct the movie, but he was kind of told like, "No, we 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 want this Polanski guy to do it." Yeah. So you know, he didn't get to do Rosemary's Baby, but he he thought that that would be his chance to kind of, you know, get out of these B movies and and have an A list horror project. Uh, and and it and it didn't work out. They they wouldn't let him direct it. Which, I mean, can you imagine what kind of gimmick you would have came up with for Rosemary's right. Baby? You know, like <laughs> yeah. Somebody just said there's the Hell House by Richard uh, Matheson. Yeah, there's there's if you just go and like look through like Hulu or Netflix or any of these, like you'll find all these different movies. <laughs> and and you know most of them are worth a watch. Uh, I don't think the Liam Neeson movie was very good. That was like a remake of The Haunting. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that one was. Very I, good. I didn't. I watched it, but I don't. I don't remember that much about it. And I agree with Age of Quarrel that the the haunting of the Hill House was not that good. That was just not that great of a movie. The haunting of the Hill House. No, the haunting of Hill House is is the the TV series. No, and they have a movie about it. No, that you think? Are you thinking of the House on Haunted Hill? No, no, they, they. I think I think Age of Quarrel is talking about the TV show. 
No, there. Well, maybe, um, but there is a actual movie um, that that is that, and it's uh, it's killing me to think um, who's in it. But it's uh, it it. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to pull up a, like a site that kind of will uh, kind of explain all these. I'm I'm trying to think of it right now, and because there's there's the one with Vincent Price, and I know that's the the house on Haunted Hill. That's the castle one. Yes, that's that's the one that used to be like an old insane asylum, and the doctors all got burned to death by the patients in there, and all the people he brings back are actual kids and, and nieces of the actual doctors that all died. Right. I think Age of Quarrel is talking about the legend of Hell House. Oh, okay. that's That's the Matheson one. Um, but there's also there was also a remake of that, too, I believe. Hmm. That I haven't seen. That that I know I haven't seen. Interesting. I don't know. I, I'm going to have to check some of these. Basically, out. basically, if there's a if there's a haunted house movie, I'm going to watch it. And sometimes I get caught watching a stinker, and and sometimes I watch something that's actually pretty good. You know, um, I mean, I think, think we about, all got caught watching Paranormal Activity. Right. We all kind of bought into the hype. <laughs> yep. Uh, but when you look at like, uh, so look at uh, you know, look at the Amityville Horror. That's a haunted house movie. Yeah. Um, there's another haunted house movie that I think uh, is pretty, pretty much forgotten these days. But House, remember House with William Cat? That was. Uh, sorry, man, I didn't hear your microphone. Oh, your microphone's way over there anyway. <laughs> so House with William Cat. Right. Was, I'm a big William Cat fan anyway, but right. I mean, the, he was the greatest American hero. He was. But uh, and George Went is in that movie. Yep. yep. You know, uh, I was. I always forget if he if he's in the first one or the second one. Well, uh, George Went. Yeah, I think he's in the first one. I don't I don't think I've ever seen the second one. I think there's a second one. There is a second one, but I don't right. think I've ever seen it. Mm. Uh, do you remember the other William Cat movie? Uh, Legend. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ba- uh, or, baby or White Ghost. Oh, baby, yeah. baby. Yeah, Secret, yeah, Secret of the Lost uh, Legend. Secret of the Lost Legend. Yeah. yeah. And what what is it? White Ghost, the one where he's like a Vietnam guy. Oh, I don't know if I've seen Something that. One. Like that. I'm not sure if the uh, I have the name of that one right, but I mean it's like where he's like a POW or something. There's a guy whose career got like he didn't. He'll, he didn't be, go he'll be back. He'll be back. <laughs> I'm holding the holding the, the you, candle for did him. Did you get to meet him at Rhode Island Comic Con? No. Super nice guy. Yeah. Really nice guy. You know who I'm talking about? William Cat, the greatest American hero. No, I didn't get to meet him. But you know who I'm talking about? You've seen. You oh know, yeah. You've seen the show. Yeah. It was White Ghost. Yes. Uh, I've never seen that one, but uh, but House was a good haunted house movie, um, and, you know. And I, I will watch any. They made four. They made four house movies. Last one was in nineteen ninety two. So all right, what's they must all have like a house something after them? Like, Three point nine on IMDb. So there was House. What was the second one called? Uh, like more House. Uh, I think it was a uh, House Two Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> My God! <laughs> Actually, I haven't seen House in so long. I should rewatch it. I, I, if if you're talking about it. psychological thrillers, we're talking about, I, talking about House. Yeah. What about uh, <laughs> what about the Burbs? I like that one. That that's a great that movie. Didn't do uh, do very well, but no. But I would House Two is uh, has a really lame uh, um, title. It's called the Second Story. 
Yeah, that is kind of yeah, cheesy. Yeah. Yeah. But um if you if you look at some of the uh if you look at some of the like Amityville movies, you know, they kind of got away from the the haunted house idea and they were like they started to become about like artifacts from the house were haunted. Um, there was one where uh, one of the Amityville movies was called Amityville something. It's about time, and it was like a haunted clock from the Amityville house. Like some of that got a little bit, uh, a little bit weird. But uh, there's, you know, there's there's some that are like pretty good classic movies that just they don't have the same reputation as, you know. Uh, the Exorcist or The Omen or movies like that, so they kind of fall by the wayside. Like, uh, well, a lot of those movies, though, The Exorcist, The Omen, or even, even we'll say, um, Poltergeist, they all came at a certain point where they made just certain little changes to make that shock value even more. Well, but, I mean, I will, I will sit here and discuss. I will di- dissect and analyze Poltergeist uh, for an entire two-hour <laughs> show because. I just, I love that movie and I think it's, I think it's perfect. But, um, you know, like for what, so one of the shows that on the Eli Roth thing, one of the, one of the things that they called the haunted house movie was The Shining. And I don't know if I would call The Shining a haunted house movie. No. no. Because, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like, more yeah, about the, the, him. The it's hotel not. is haunted, but it's, it's, yeah, it's how much that vulnerable state that he's in. Yep. Allows that to kind of seep in. I mean, I guess it's it's a haunted house to some degree, but um, I also don't think The Shining is as good as the movies everybody makes it out to be. And I'm sure I'll get some comments in the chat room about that, but uh, <laughs> just not a not a big fan of The Shining. Like it's not terrible. I'll no. watch if it's on TV, but uh, you know, I don't. I, I like the novel better. I, I was just going to say I actually like the TV version better than the Jack Nicholson the, uh, movie. Was Steven Weber? Yes. Yeah. I like Steven Weber in just about anything. But, um, but yeah, so like, just going back to Poltergeist, like, I think Poltergeist 2 is a great movie. Mm. Poltergeist 3, not so much. Yeah. But Poltergeist 2, like, I remember, so, when I was a kid, I saw the, Pol- I saw the first Poltergeist movie. Uh, I want to say I was, I think I was in first grade. So I was like probably seven years old, six, seven years old, however old you are in first grade. And I believe I saw the ABC, you know, movie of the week version. So let's just say, well, let me think. Yeah, so I was in first grade. So that would have been, how old How old are you in first grade? Six? Yeah. Six, I, seven? Would say, I would say six. So we're looking at, so, 78 and, so we're looking at, like, 1984. Okay. So I'm, I'm watching the, the TV, ABC Movie of the Week version of it. I remember, because I remember uh, Ernie, what's his name, he used to be the voiceover guy. Ernie Hudson? No, oh. Ernie, I can't remember his last name, but the voiceover guy that used to do all the ABC Movie of the Week. Tonight, it's Poulter, guys. Like, I can just remember hearing <laughs> his, his voice talking about it. So, um... Like it creeped me out, but it was also the edited for television version. And then I got to see on HBO the real version, like the unedited mm-hmm. version. Like they they cut out a lot of the stuff that would be way too creepy for TV. Uh, I believe, you know, my, and my parents would never let me watch like the maggot scene or 
the guy pulling his face yep. off. You know, they wouldn't let me watch those parts. But then I finally got to see that part. And, uh, and so it just, I, I loved it. And I would watch the movie anytime it came on. And then when Poltergeist 2 came out, I wanted to go to the theater so bad to see it. But, my, you know, my parents aren't going to take me in to see an R-rated horror movie. Or I think yeah. it was only PG-13, but still, they're not taking me in as, a, as an 8, 9, 10-year-old kid to go see this movie. So we had to wait till it till it came out on video. And back in those days, and I think I've talked about this before on the show, back in those days, we didn't have a VCR. My dad used to go and rent a VCR from the supermarket. Yes. Yes, I I do remember those days. And you would get the movie from the supermarket. Yep. Um, well, so originally we used to go to a place called uh, Curtis Mathis, and that's where we would. I don't know if you if there was any Curtis Mathis's around here, but we had one in Plymouth, and uh, or was it Video Paradise that was in Plymouth? But we used to go to either Curtis Mathis or Video Paradise, and we'd rent movies there, uh, or we'd go to the supermarket when the supermarket had it. So I remember being in the supermarket. It was probably, I don't know what time of year it was, but it was, you know, it got dark early. And seeing Poltergeist 2 on the shelf in the supermarket, like, we, we gotta get this. So you have to rent the VCR, you have to rent the tape, you go home. It was, it was an afternoon, late afternoon, but it was already dark. And we all gathered, the whole family, all five kids and my parents, and all sat and watched Poltergeist 2. And at the end of it, I was like, that might be better than the first movie. And everybody kind of looked at me like, what are you talking about? Like, it's nowhere near as good. But I've always loved it, like, ever since then. I think that, um, I think that it was, uh, you know, just bringing in the, the backstory, bringing in Reverend Kane, bringing in more of the connection of the family having this this ability, you know, mm-hmm. the grandmother and, and the mother and Carol Ann having this ability and uh, and just having like a, a deeper depth to the story instead of it just being like this this beast that was trying to capture. Like now there's like a real backstory to it. I thought it just made it stand out even more, but that's probably the reason why people didn't like it either. It, it's It's killing me. I'm sitting here and I've been trying to Google it and figure out what that movie is called because it's got something to do with Hill House. They always say it in in the movie, and it's got oh, this big, big mansion that's got cherubs all over the wall, and the cherubs will start to move a little bit. Was it an older movie or a newer movie? I want to say in the 90s. So it might, is it, it's probably the Liam Neeson version of The Haunting. Maybe it was. Yeah, that's that was not such a good movie. No, well, I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was, you know, but I was trying to think of it. So it is the haunting of the Hill House. Well, it's just, it's just, I think it's just called the haunting. I think they, I think the remake, the remake has the same name as the 1963 movie, but it's still that same story. Oh, okay. Okay. So they're all based on the Shirley Jackson book. Okay. Which came out in, I think, 1959. Yeah. Ross is saying it's the haunted with Liam Nielsen. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah. But, uh, I will say this, Poltergeist 3, not so not so good. Yeah, I, I didn't like that one too much. I actually did not like the... Uh, I did not like the remake of Poltergeist. No. I'm, not, I, I'm using that term loosely because I'm not sure if it was a remake or not. I'm not sure if it was a sequel or if it was a remake. I think it was supposed to be a remake, but it just it it didn't 
do it justice. And and I'm actually it, worried about that about Pet Cemetery. It wasn't a bad movie, but it was not a poltergeist movie. Yeah, this is no. kind of the way that I felt about nope. it. Um but the Pet Cemetery one that's coming out, it, I I love that movie and I'm worried about how it's going to be redone if they're going to ruin it. It looks it looks like it's not going to be terrible. But I don't know how I feel about John Lithgow. Mm. That's that's where I have my reservations, because Fred Fred Gwynn was so perfect in the first one. Oh my God! Yes, that uh, I don't know. And if he's he, he's not around any longer, right? No, he he died years ago. Yeah, but um, he was so perfect in that first one that I like. When I'm reading the original book and I'm reading, you know, the Judd Crandall character, like I can't picture anybody else. It, I, no, I agree because that's one one of his books that I've read multiple times. I love that book. And, and I always tell people like if they're just trying to, if they're like, "Hey, I've never read a Stephen King book," like that's the one that you start with. Yes. No, I agree, hundred percent. You like that? You, there are other ones that you could start with, but it, it kind of has to be that one because it's a it's a shorter book. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of brings together everything that he's about without getting too deep into some of the other, you yeah. know, side ventures that he does. I, I suppose like Dead Zone could be another one that could be a good first book. You definitely uh, don't want to start with the Towers. <laughs> no, no, you can't. <laughs> you can't start with the Dark Tower series no. at all or any of his fantasy stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, like I would say, like, you can't start with Cujo. Mm, no. Because Cujo, I don't know. I just, I, I didn't love it as a book. Really? No, I didn't. And I don't really like it as a movie either. I it's was just, just going to ask if you thought the movie was better. No, it just doesn't. I think the movie's better than the book in terms really? because you can actually visualize it better. But um, it's just it's it's hard, you know, a dog that's possessed by the spirit of a serial killer. Like it's mm. it's it's hard to kind of get behind. At least at least with the movie, it's because of the rabies being bit. Right. You know, well, I mean, they 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 kind of allude yeah. allude, allude to it a little bit, but um, in in another one that you really can't give people the start, like maybe maybe this could be a good starting book too, is Christine, yeah, which I think is very underappreciated in terms of the the books. Uh, it's it's not a bad movie either, but in terms of the books, like it's it's a pretty it's a pretty decent. A book. A bunch of people are saying the Silver Bullet, and that was a good book. Well, but that's also like a very short. That's yes. that's. Uh, it's more of a short story than it's. It's uh, one of his. What novels. was it? It was like a trade book where you had like illustrations in it and yeah. stuff. Uh, but some, you know, some of the and the short story stuff is probably pretty good. Uh, I think that. Uh, I still don't think to this day that I've finished the Doc Towers. <laughs> I did. It's well worth reading and, and finishing, but it's a lot. Oh my god! And it's so it's, big. It doesn't work if you haven't read everything else. And see, that's the thing. I I haven't read everything of his. So no, you, you have to read everything else. You have to read. Um, you have to read Salem's Lot. You have to read it. You have to read The Stand. Like everything, kind of all ties together. And I'm not really ruining it and giving it away no but like so you know the the there's like if you've never read hearts in atlantis nope. like hearts in atlantis you have to read that because that's part of the dark tower and that's probably why i you know lost my attention span with that book in what the, with that series in the end pretty much everything that stephen king has written all ties into the dark tower hmm. it's all connected 
Uh, some of the stuff is a little bit of an outlier, like you, you know, Christine, Pet Cemetery, things like that can kind of not be interwoven into it, but a lot of it is interwoven into it. And it's, it's, it's not easy. That's why they've had so much trouble, like, making a movie out of it. Like, the movie that came out was bad. Oh, the Dark the, Tower. Yes. Oh, was, yes. No, like, that was horrible. Like, was looking, horrible. looking back on it now, I can, I can honestly say, like, I was trying to be positive about it when it came out, but looking back on it now, it was terrible. Yeah. And you know was. how I know that it was terrible? It's been how long now since it came out, and they haven't put it on cable? Oh, jeez. It's like, been out for a long time, and I haven't seen it in, on TV and probably... They've, they've totally buried it. Uh, have you seen his new one that just came out on, what was it, Hulu? Yeah, it was, it was all right. It wasn't great. It's I, not Stephen King. It's... Based on Stephen King. Yeah, it's based on his book. It's J.J. Abrams. I like the the way they threw the little parts of all his movies into it. But there wasn't enough of that. Well, no, no, no. I'm saying the 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 sites, like you know, when the when the new wardens coming in, they're explaining about the previous wardens, and one was from Shawshank, and they show the little bullet hole. You know, little little things like that. You see the ice cream store, and it's got the name of one of his. I forgot what it is now. Uh, yeah, but they have like Nan's Nan's luncheonette. Yes, and, yeah, but, yes, and but all that. What, but what bothered me about it is like it was all those things were like too cutesy. Like it wasn't enough of an interwoven. It was like we're going to pay homage, but we're not going to actually set it in mm. that world. And that's where it kind of lost me a little bit. Uh, they have said that it's going to be like an anthology series, though. So when they come out with another season, it's going to be totally different, really? and so they can kind of revisit some of that stuff. <clears throat> but. I would much rather, like, I thought we were going to see the Castle Rock of, you know, needful things, where it's going to be all of those people, that would have been like, still living in that town and, like, having all of this stuff go on, you know, have the dark half happening at the same mm-hmm. time, all this stuff kind of going on in that window of what went on during that time, but it was, uh, yeah, it was just kind of hard. And then there's... If you are going to introduce people to Stephen King, the other part of it that you need to explain to people almost from the beginning is it's it's deeper than what it seems to be on the surface. And I think that's where he loses a lot of people because mm-hmm. people just want to read like a scary story. They want to read and they want every book to be like Pet Cemetery. And not every book is is that no, way. No, no, no. You know, like a lot of it is you have to understand the deeper meanings behind it, especially like the stand or mm-hmm. it. Um, that's and that's another movie I was surprised. You know, remake seeing it being remade, I was a little concerned, and when I saw it, I was pleasantly surprised that it was as good as I it the, did come the up. Movie, yeah. yes. I uh, know. I thought I thought so too. I mean, it wasn't perfect. No. And it certainly was not, um, it wasn't 100% loyal, uh, to the book, but it, it definitely was a, it was a good movie. Mm-hmm. And that, like, first and foremost, it was a good movie, and it definitely set up the second one to be an even better movie. Yes. Which I'm hoping, hoping that's the case. And I've seen some of the casting for the new movie, and I'm like, okay, I like this. Yep. And so, uh, I have some good, I think it comes out this, you know, fall of 2019. Yeah, I think it's like September or something, they were saying. So uh, it seems like there's, you know, a, a lot of good places that they can go with it. Then <laughs> the question becomes, do they do the same thing with The Stand? Because 
That was the other project they were talking. Actually, it was Ben Affleck that's been talking about really? directing the stand, and um, I, I think he could probably do a pretty good job with it. But it's going to be it's going to be difficult to even in two movies to take the stand and turn it into like the stand would be a great Netflix series mm-hmm. or Hulu series. Yes, where you could have like ten episodes. To explain a lot more, because yeah. there is a lot in that book that goes on. And to really, like, get all of the scenes into it. Like, the the, the TV movie that came out for The Stand, I actually didn't mind it. I thought it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. But when I read that book, and I read that book, you know, three, four years before the, 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 the uh, miniseries came out, mm-hmm. when I read that book, Bill Fagerback, whatever his name is, that, that was who I pictured as Tom Cullen. Oh, really? Like, as I'm reading the book, like, that's who's in my head is Tom Cullen. And so I was, like, so glad when they cast him. Uh, but I never would have thought of the guy that played Randall Flagg, you know? I, I just wouldn't have pictured him being like that. But it, it worked. Uh, what was his name? Jamie Sheridan. Yes, Jamie. But uh, so they're talking about redoing that. And I think they could do a pretty good version of that. I actually would insist that if they did that. See, the one thing that I liked about the Dark Tower movie is I, I, I liked... I wasn't on board with Idris Elba as Roland to begin with, Mm -hmm. just because, like, I didn't, it wasn't like a black-white thing. I just didn't think of him as being the, uh, you know, when I look at Idris Elba, I I like him automatically when I look at him. And, like, Roland is kind of a bastard, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's, I, I couldn't really picture him as being like that, that partially bad guy that Roland was so it didn't I liked him in the movie but I it, it didn't really work from for me as him being Roland but Matthew McConaughey that, as Walter was great yes yeah and he, he should just be the man in black and everything he I've you know him in so many different roles that he's played he's just amazing at it you know he can go from being that crazy psycho to being that fun loving neighbor on his roles um, one of the first movies I ever saw of him was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. And he fought to not get that movie released. And same thing with Renee Zellweger. They both yeah, they fought to yeah. try and stop it. And they couldn't, obviously. It but, came out later, like, taking advantage of their of their celebrity. Yeah. They, it, it was filmed before... I forgot what... It was filmed before three of their big movies had just come out. And they didn't want it released. But he played a great role in that. I... Th- I mean, I'd like to see him play because there's all these different characters in the Stephen King universe that are all basically the same character. So, you know, Walter and Randall Flagg and uh, I think his name is also Flagg and Eyes of the Dragon and, uh, uh, you know, being Flagg in the stand, like all these different iterations of, of the same guy, the walking dude, the same guy all the way around. Like, McConaughey can play him in every single one of those mm-hmm. adaptations. And, like, that should be the... That should just be, like, the one continuity thing between <laughs> them all. Because uh, there, there was... I mean, I know people said that he was kind of chewing the scenery a little bit in the Dark Tower movie, but what else could you do in that movie? Yeah. Um, but I would like to see, you know, a, a full-out adaptation of The Stand. And uh, and I'd, I'm, I'm hoping that they're still going to go forward with the Dark Tower TV series. Because that would make all the difference in the world. Especially where they could kind of tell the story the same way that 
the books were laid out, mm-hmm. where you know you you come into it right at the beginning uh, with the gunslinger, and then you know in the middle of it you take a season where it's just going back to Roland's youth, which is what the the original plan was was it was to make the movies. It was supposed to be a trilogy of movies, I think, with the TV series in between the movies, with like a new season of TV in between the movies, with a TV series was supposed to be like Roland's youth. Oh, okay. But then, you know, the, you know, they're saying like the whole thing kind of has to be reimagined because the movie just did so poorly. And then I don't know, I don't know if like I'm giving stuff away by saying this, but you saw the Dark Tower movie. Mm-hmm. It was not an adaptation of the Dark Tower. Really, it was a sequel. Really. If you had completed the Dark Tower series, yeah, which I, I did. It. I don't want to ruin it for yeah. anybody, but um, it makes sense. Okay. I mean, I, I guess I don't know. I mean, fair enough. I guess it, it's, it's hard to say spoiler alert for something that's been you know written <laughs> for eight, eight years now yeah. or whatever. But but it is such a monumental thing to go through this this series and uh, and and go through it all as it happens, but. The the last book of the Dark Tower series ends with the beginning of the Dark Tower series. Okay. Everything starts all over again. (laughs) So that's what the movie was. It was that's why it wasn't so loyal to the book. It was everything starting over again. Yep. And it was kind of a bold choice, but it also didn't work. So don't let that ruin it if you haven't read the Dark Tower series. You totally should still go back and read it because you're going to see stuff that, I mean, you're going to read stuff that is just some of the greatest stuff ever written, uh, not only of our time, but pretty much of any time. So uh, if anybody wants to call in, 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. The lines are open for anybody that does want to call in. Uh, It is open lines. Talk about whatever you want, but... You know, we just, we don't get a chance, we talk about paranormal stuff all the time, we don't really get a chance to talk about horror. No, we and, don't. And John's very much into the horror world, he works with a lot of horror uh, actors and, and people who are involved in those films, uh, representing them for different shows and events. So, you saw Eli Roth's show this past week. I, I've, I saw talk, the ghost one, I, I haven't and, seen and all they, the And they talked about Poltergeist, they talked about The Exorcist, and mm-hmm. Jordan Ladd was on it. Right, yep. What what comes on Thursday, Thanksgiving Day? A Hallmark with Jordan and her mother in it. <laughs> I just found it funny. The same week she's talking horror, then she's doing Hallmark. Which uh, what was the horror movie that she was in? It was the, the oh cabin, she was in Cabin, cabin Fever, the, Cabin Fever, okay. Cabin Fever. Yeah. So I don't know if oh I've she seen, was also in Hostel. I don't know if I've seen. I don't think I've seen either one of those. Uh, but I did see Cabin in the Woods, mm-hmm. and that movie was kind of crap. I thought. Well, the original or the remake? I don't know the one where like. The one where, like, it's all, like, an experiment. Cabin in the Woods. Is that, that's the one I'm thinking of, right, Matt? It's got, like, uh, yeah. Thor's in it? Yeah. Um, Am I getting confused? Sigourney Weaver's in it at the end. Yeah, yeah, she's, like, the one yeah. running the experiment. I thought, I thought that was crap old, too. I was really, yeah. di- I was really disappointed. 
So that's the one where like these 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 young people are all going to this cabin in the woods, yep. and uh, and they start getting chased by somebody or something or other. But it turns out it's like all like some experiment that they're doing. Is that the one with the? Well, they, they all have, have the hood. They have on? to appease that god, and they have right. to sacrifice. Oh yeah, I they have to sacrifice like the nerd, the athlete. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Yeah. I, I have not seen this. No, you just made me think about how even more terrible it was. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, that was not good. I didn't like it. I'm sure there's some people that are going to be like, oh, so witty and different. But no, dumb. Stupid. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Although, uh, I will say, like, the, the best thing to happen to horror in recent years was definitely the, the Evil Dead TV series. Did you see that? No, I have not watched that. Oh my god, that is so good. Really? Yeah, it's dumb. It's it's just it's dumb, cheesy fun. But that's what the Evil Dead is all about. I mean, well, I haven't seen all of it yet, but the second season kind of it drags. It does, but I think that's when Sam Raimi kind of stopped directing it, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Somebody um, else took over. But I think he came back for the third season, or at least he was more involved with it. Um, the third season got really weird, but it was uh, it's it's it was fun. I mean, I wasn't sorry that I was watching twenty four minutes of it every week. Right, <laughs> just twenty four minutes of Bruce Campbell is worth it, especially as Ash. But uh, yeah, no, definitely, definitely worth it. And I also, I got into this debate with somebody recently too about uh, Evil Dead versus Evil Dead Two. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's just the same movie. It's just the same movie. No, it's, and it's not. like it is, but it isn't. Yeah, I don't think eh, it's not. the same story, but it took it in a completely different direction. Mm-hmm. Like you wouldn't have Army of Darkness, which is obviously the best movie of the series. Like you wouldn't have that if it wasn't for what Evil Dead Two did. So it kind of like it was kind of like a reboot as a sequel. Mm-hmm. You know, like like wait a minute, we don't need to just make this a straight horror movie. Let's make it a, a campy horror comedy. So, my two cents worth on that. Yeah, uh, season two did get a little too Herculesina. It was there was a lot of uh, see they're they're fighting with me about uh, Cabin in the Woods. See, I, I I didn't think Cabin in the Woods was that. Are you thinking of uh, Cabin Fever? No, that's that. I know that one. That's the one that Jordan's in. Um, Cabin in the Woods. I thought that was the one where. Uh, the three, you know, two guys and a girl kidnap this these two girls, and they end up, one of them's trying to swim to get away. She shoots her in the back, and she crawls to her home where the people are broken into. Oh, that's last house on the left, I bet. I, that, I think that's what <laughs> I don't I'm think I've seen of. that either. Um, but that's a remake, too, isn't it? Last house on the left, yes, it yeah. is. So... That's the thing about horror movies, man. Is yeah, like so Agent Quarrel just said, yeah, Last House on the Left. So many of them are just kind of re, remakes and reboots and yep. all that stuff. It is hard to, to come up with original ideas. I've seen a few, though. Like, if you go through, like, Netflix or Hulu and you go through, like, some of the horror movies, um, you know, some of them aren't that great, but every once in a while you'll find a gem. I'll tell you, I, I was... And I'm not just saying this because one of the people, somebody I work with that's my client, I'm a huge, like, Manson buff. Like, I, I like reading anything that I could about Charlie Manson, like, learning the history, getting, I love behind-the-scenes stuff of him hanging out with the Beach Boys, getting to hear that stuff. 
and I've seen a bunch of the different movies out there, and I wasn't impressed. And uh, there's a movie that came out about four years ago. It's called The House of Manson. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. The guy that plays Charlie does an amazing role. They stick right to what the true story was, and they focus more on his life on the farm side of it, like at, at their little cult area than they actually did of him doing his other stuff. So you got to actually see like what it was truly like living there and it what a it was a really good movie if you get a chance to check it out. Well I mean at least that's a that's a different take on it. Yes. Something different than what you usually see. Yep. Isn't there um a Tarantino Charlie Manson movie coming out? Uh, that's what I've heard, yes. That's what I've heard. That's probably gonna be nuts. And I'm sure you've both seen Aquarius. Uh, on, on Showtime, the, right? No. No. So that's a Charlie Manson movie starring David Duchovny. No, that was a TV, uh, TV series. Sh- TV yeah, series. That was star- on uh, NBC. Oh, it was on NBC. Yeah, it was on NBC. See, I saw it on Showtime. I started watching it, and then I was like, eh, I think I got like halfway through the, the first, first season. season, and I was like, yeah. I, don't, I didn't like the guy that played Manson very much. Yeah. But it, it was it was actually pretty good. But, uh, well, you know... Uh, like I was saying, like going through some of these like Netflix movies, like every once in a while I find one that was pretty good. I can't remember the name of it, but I found one um, one night just flipping through there looking for a good horror movie to watch where it was, I think it was the 1920s, and there was like an orphanage building or mm-hmm. something, and there was a woman who showed up who was kind of a paranormal investigator, and uh, like it was all about like the night she spent in the place. That was That was a pretty good movie. Can't remember the name of it, but... I like like the Victoria. You know, what do you think of Crimson Peak? Some people didn't like it. Some people did. Crimson Peak. Is that, that is that a fairly recent one? Yeah, that was the one that uh, it was uh, Guillermo del Toro. Del Toro. I don't think I don't I've seen if, that. Yeah, I don't know if I've seen it. It was pretty good. I yeah. liked it. Uh, I thought it was usually his movies are pretty good. Yeah, I regardless. thought it was. I thought it was good. Um, the other movie, like, I liked the movie Mother. Nobody else did. I did like that. I, I mean, did. Especially, like, when you get into what it's really about. It, it it was a good movie. You know, I mean, it had good backstory for it. It, it was weird as hell. It, yeah. But well, I think that's what made it so good is because of how weird it was. It wasn't until I realized, like, what the story was that they were trying to tell. And, and I don't know the Bible, so I didn't know it that well. Mm-hmm. But I had to, like, read about it online. But once I did, I was like, oh, well, then that's kind of interesting. There's um, a new paranormal movie that I just watched that came out, and you know when it when these paranormal movies come out, I'm very skeptical of them to begin with. But I watched the trailer, and I figured I'd give it a shot. But it's uh, it's called The Dwelling, and it's about a couple that they they bought a house and they moved back on purpose, and she didn't tell the boyfriend that she grew up in the house, and all this tragedy happened because the mother was supposedly dabbling into the paranormal. Um, she moves back there to try and find the spirit that caused all the problems, ends up finding that her mother made an actual psychomanthium chamber in the house, and she starts using it to try and bring the evil out so she can face the evil. And it's it's a pretty good psychological paranormal thriller. I'm going to throw this one out there, and I don't know if you've seen it, John. I don't know if you've even heard of it. I don't know if anybody watching... By the way, Commander Sonny Cito in the chat room said uh, the movie I was referring to was The Awakening. So that's the movie that I was talking about with the uh, female paranormal investigator. But 
I'm going to throw this movie out there. Matt and I have talked about this before. We talked about going to see it, but we didn't. I don't know if you've even heard of it, John. Maybe somebody in the audience has, has seen it, but how about Mandy? No. Have you heard of Mandy? No. So apparently this movie is nuts. It's Nicolas Cage, and uh, he lives like out, you know, out in the woods with like his hippie wife, and this guy shows up, and uh, and basically decides that he wants to take Nicolas Cage's wife. Like he's like this bad guy, like cult leader or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. And so the whole movie is like basically Nicolas Cage, like going insane trying to get his wife back. And the visuals are supposed to be crazy, and uh, you know you can get it. It's one of those movies where it's available. On demand, even even while it's in the theater, but everybody says like you have to go see it on the big screen, uh, and I keep meaning to to just pay for it and watch it at home, but I ha- I haven't done it yet, mainly because I'm cheap and I try to steal movies off the internet. But you know, it's I don't want to spend eight ninety nine for a movie at home. Yeah, but uh, supposedly they're saying that this is the the greatest performance of Nicolas Cage's career, really, in this movie. So I don't know if anybody out there has seen it yet, but. Uh, yeah, Age of Quarrel saw it, liked it, but didn't like how obvious it was trying to be a drug movie. Okay, yeah, I'm not really into the drug movies, so I could uh, I could see where that would be an issue for me. But uh, yeah, so there we go. I'm going to take that into account. I'll I will not to, pay eight dollars to watch it. I'll wait till it comes on Netflix or something. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out though. When it comes on Netflix, it does sound interesting. I like Nicolas Cage. I don't know why I people do hate him. A so lot much. of people give him a lot of crap. I mean, because he basically plays the same character in most of his movies. Right, he's a little over the top. He's very over the top. Yeah, but uh, one one I of mean, my favorite movies with him was uh, Believe It or Not was The Rock. Oh, The Rock is a fantastic Isn't movie. It? The cast. Oh, anybody just... who doesn't like The Rock, I don't know what's wrong with them. Yep. Like, it's just the the best movie to, like, just watch on a Saturday afternoon. I saw The Rock, like, five times in the theater. Really? Yeah, well, because I told this story before, but my cousin and I used to go to the movies all the time when, when we were in high school and, like, right out of high school because, uh, you know, I would drive to his house in Halifax and when we would take it, he had, like, a 68 Barracuda. And so I'd drive my, like, crap box to his house and we'd get into a 68 Barracuda and go to the mall and we'd go to the movies. And... um for like an entire year, they had uh, a fish tank in the front of the Kingston Mall movie theater, and uh, it was raising money for the Jimmy Fund. And if you could drop a quarter into the shot glass, you got a free movie ticket. Mm-hmm. And so my cousin figured out that if you dropped four quarters at the same time, they were they were heavy enough that they would drop right into the shot glass inside the fish tank. So we were basically we would go see a movie for a dollar. So we would just show up with like a roll of quarters and just go over there and just drop drop quarters and, until we got them in there and we'd get to go see a movie. And so we saw every movie that came out like multiple times. Like, do you remember that movie Fled? Who was in that movie I Fled? Think I think so. it was uh, uh, Cowboy Curtis. Um, Lawrence Fishburne? Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne was in it and uh, I forget who else. Uh, Stephen Baldwin. Yeah, Stephen Baldwin. Yeah, that sounds right. And uh, that's totally up off the top of my head. And Will Patton. <laughs> yeah, Will, Will Patton. Will Patton was fantastic in that movie. I don't think um, I've seen it. And, and Will yep. Patton's a very underrated yep. actor. Yeah, and really. Ross is in the in the in the chat going Lawrence Fishburne now Baldwin. I saw that movie like four times in the theater because we were seeing it for a dollar. I saw uh, uh, Nothing to Lose with Tim Robbins and, and oh Martin Lawrence multiple times. That's so a good movie. Yes, no, it is. But uh, 
At first, I thought you said you were going to say nothing but trouble. <laughs> no, this was this was well after nothing but trouble. But uh, I think That's you and I, movie. you and I, are the only people that yeah. appreciate that movie. Yep. I seen, lent that to somebody. I don't know who has it. You ever seen Nothing But Trouble? No. So that's <laughs> you've probably seen it, but don't remember it. Maybe. So it's 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 a uh, it's Chevy Chase, Demi Moore, and Taylor Negron. The three of them are driving through. What are they? They're coming from like New York City yeah, to yeah. go to Atlantic yeah. City or something. They're driving through like the the backwoods of New Jersey. And uh, what happens? They get pulled over for speeding or something. Uh, he he does a uh, a California rolling stop through a, a uh, <laughs> right. through a stop sign, <laughs> and they pull him over. And was it uh, was it John Candy that was the the cop? Yep, yep. And yeah, was, he played uh, a few characters. Yeah, he was a female in the movie. He played yep. a woman in the movie too. It was like his the cop sister or something. Yeah. Well, they were. Then, I don't want to spoil it. I think I'm pretty sure they were all related. I think that was yeah was. And then uh, Dan Aykroyd plays this like ridiculous judge, who like runs the whole county. That's somebody and, just said that right now. And, and for some reason, like mysteriously out of nowhere, the Digital Underground shows up. Yep, yep. And there's a musical the band? number. The band, yeah, with Tupac. Really? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And they do. Uh, they do uh, all around the world. Same song. Yep. And then they get thrown in the bone crusher. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. It's such a ridiculous movie. But I'm going to have to go and see it. If you had I, HBO in the that. early 90s, you saw that movie a hundred times. I probably um, did and just don't remember. Just for the uh, people on YouTube, I'm going to find the uh, How Do You Like Your Dog. <laughs> <laughs> How Do You Like Your Dog. Yeah, it's a classic slide for that movie. It's a, every time we would have hot dogs, like if we were cooking hot dogs, the, one of us would always say, How Do You Like Your Dog? <laughs> But uh yeah no it's uh it's a weird weird movie but it's a it's a classic. And yeah you get the digital underground in the movie. That's funny. Tupac's first movie role. All around the world same song. But uh yeah so I forget what I was talking about before we mentioned nothing but trouble. Oh nothing to lose. Yeah so yeah. we used to go see all those movies uh for a dollar. So I saw a whole bunch of movies multiple times including movies that were just not that good. But back in those days, I'd go see anything in the theater. Well, yeah, why not? It's not like today I where used, you could pay twenty bucks to I go see a movie. Love going to the movies. Like, I, and I would never admit when a movie was bad. If I saw it in the theater, I'm like, yeah, it wasn't that bad. Like I could never like walk out of a movie like that sucked. Yeah. The one movie. So when my wife and I were dating, we went to go see Cell. Mm-hmm. The Cell, and she would not stay in the movie theater for that movie. Really? She left the theater. She couldn't stay in the theater. She had to go sit out in the car. And I was like, I'll leave too. And she's like, no, no, stay and watch the movie. But I'm not going to watch the movie. And she went out in the car and just sat out there for two hours till I was done watching the movie. Hmm. You saw that movie? Oh, I yes. Assume? I've yeah. seen it. just so, yeah. a weird, weird movie. It, it, it is. It is. But she couldn't, she couldn't deal with it, so she left the theater. There's, there's another one that's very weird like that. Um, I'll have to, I'll have to, I have all three of them at home and I can't think of it, but it's all about blocks. You get put into this room and these blocks stop moving and you've got to crawl through before the room has something happen to it. And if it doesn't, you die. But then if you get into another part, the whole room changes and you could end up upside down. It's, it's really a crazy, like, thriller like that. Like, yeah, I don't psycho. know what that is. I, I, I'll have to send it to you. I They're saying it cube in the chat. Yes, room. it is. It's the cube. Yep. 
It's I, I love it. I have all three of them. Everybody's saying that uh, Nothing But Trouble was Chevy Chase's last good funny movie. I would argue that Vegas Vacation was funny. Yeah, I like it. I, I, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, that was around the same time that he made Memoirs of an Invisible Man. I don't know if I saw that. Yeah, I don't think I've seen you, that. I think you have. You think so? If, was it on just, Channel 56? It probably was. I probably saw it. Uh, so it was, um, he somehow ends up like getting turned invisible and Daryl Hannah is like his love interest, which was weird because he looked like 30 years older than her. But, uh, like he's, he's turning invisible and he's like trying, I think Sam Neill's chasing him down. It was, uh, it was not good, but like it was still one of those movies that you just watched it when it came on. You know, like Man of the House. Uh, was that the one with uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas? <laughs> yeah, what? Yeah. JTT. Hmm. I uh, no, I don't think I've ever seen that one. Uh, what was the other one that he had at that time? Cops and Robertsons. <laughs> yes, with Jack Palance. Yeah, those were not good. Chevy Chase. Actually, Chevy Chase, like from from everything that I've heard, is just an asshole. Yeah. Yep. Now, see, I've heard actually <laughs> the opposite. No, I've heard bad, bad things. Um, That's why oh, he's not on uh, Community anymore. Well, well, nobody's on community anymore. Well, but uh, that's why they kicked him off. Well, <laughs> J- but, Jason Lively, who played Rusty in National Lampoon's European Vacation, is one of my clients, and he says he was one of well, the funnest guys to work with. But that's that's old Chevy Chase, like earlier Chevy Chase. Yes. people liked earlier Chevy Chase. Now yeah. he's just an asshole. Yeah, I he was talking about when he worked with him, you know, yeah. and Jason was probably like 15 or 16 at the time, so Chevy was probably in his 30s. That's you know? uh <laughs> you uh, for my money though, like everybody loves Christmas Vacation. Uh I love the oh, first I love, I love the first one the best. Uh the first movie to me is is the best of all the vacation movies. Where they movies. go to Wally World? Yeah. But European Vacation is vastly underrated. There's oh, a lot of funny parts of that movie. Absolutely. Like my family and I are looking for sex. Like just like lines like that are just it, when you when you think of National Lampoon's Vacation, everybody's first thought is Christmas, right? You know that's their first thought. Then they go to the or the Wally World. It could be a toss up between Christmas and Wally World, but the other ones they do forget about. There, there's uh, <clears throat> a mention here uh, from Ross. Not to forget Dirty Work. Uh, Chevy Chase was terrible in Dirty Work. Like, Chevy Chase was the only part of that movie that was not good. What was he in uh, Dirty Work? He was the doctor that was going to perform the heart surgery. Oh, right. Okay. But he owed money to the yep. to the mob. Yep. <laughs> like, he was the only part of that movie that wasn't good. Although, I haven't watched it yet, but on Norm MacDonald has a, has a show. Mm-hmm. There's an episode where he interviews Chevy Chase. Oh, really? So, and I know that, the Chevy... Is that his, that's his uh, talk show? Yes. Norm MacDonald has a show. It's very good. Yep. I, I think I saw a clip with him uh, interviewing uh, Mike Tyson. That was pretty funny. Oh, I didn't see that one yet. I saw David Spade. I saw Judge Judy. I saw Michael Keaton. I saw Drew Barrymore. I've just been flipping through them. I've been watching them like in order. Um, Norm MacDonald is one of the funniest human beings on, on the planet, as far as I'm concerned. Or so the Germans would have us believe. My dad and I were fighting about that on Thanksgiving because <laughs> my dad just doesn't get it. Yeah. But I, I, I just love I love when he just like repeats something. <laughs> Like, he has this talk show, and he has a co-host on the talk show, and the guest will say something, and he'll just turn to the co-host and just repeat what the guest just said. Like, the, it slays me every time. All right, let's take this call, then we'll get out of here. Uh, good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. 
Hello? You're on the radio. Really? Maybe they didn't want to talk to us. You don't say. Well, that's fantastic. I'm just doing this now so that people are like, I don't think they have the phone turned on. <laughs> There's nobody there. Hold on. Here we go again. Is Frank still on? Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you? Yes, good. Thank you. Hello. Did something on your mind? Yeah, I, I was calling in. We're listening to your station, to the program, and I was going to ask her a question. Okay. Go right ahead. You're on the air. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. What's your question? Okay, my question is, um, will our granddaughter eventually be in charge of her life? <laughs> will your granddaughter be in charge of her life? Eventually. She's, she's 19. She's had a lot of issues. You know, she's trying to grow up. And we're helping her a lot. And we're grandparents, and that makes us very nervous. Uh, no, I can understand that completely. Uh, what what program are you listening to on the radio? Well, I can't hear myself on the radio, but, you know, they gave the number 508-996-0500. It's on um, Dark Matter. It's the Dark Matter Network. Oh, okay. So are you, are you looking for Lynn Marie, who is doing the tarot readings? Yes. Oh, okay. I think they're rerunning our last week's episode. Oh, yeah, well, you don't I want us. You, you don't want us to try to. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah don't. you don't want us to try to give you those answers. Not without her here. All right, we can Sorry. barely we can barely take care of our own lives, let alone uh, let you know if <laughs> if somebody well, else is going to be okay. Listen, I'll tell you this. My gut feeling is that uh, you know if you're setting her up with a good base foundation, then she should be able to take care of herself just fine. Well, her parents didn't, so that's why the grandparents have to. Well, I think you're setting the example that will uh, that will lead to great success for her. I hope so. All right. I hope Thank so you very too. much. Thank you so much for calling. Have okay. a great night. Uh huh. Bye. That is um, that is definitely our sign that we should get off the air before people start calling in for tarot readings. Until next time, for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, for John, I'm Tim. We want you all to stay spooktacular.